honesty, passion, experience. It's Timberwolves Explosion, hosted on thesportstuff.com. And now, your host, Paladino Joey. Timberwolves fans, are you ready for the explosion of Timberwolves basketball? I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Timberwolves Explosion is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Great to be on board once again, and in a lot of ways, you could just say iTunes and Google Podcasts. That kind of, you know, it's basically Apple phones and Android phones, right? But, you know, some people like Stitcher, and then, of course, Double Twist is another option. I just love saying Double Twist, I guess. Nice uh, application that mirrors iTunes, similar to Google Podcasts. It's all a preference thing. But welcome to the annual State of the Timberwolves 2019. This is what it's all about, at least, well, it's the off-season and stuff, and we're out, and we didn't make the playoffs again, and... Yeah, well, we have a new coach, or at least uh, the same coach that uh, <laughs> finished out the last season. We have a new president of basketball operations, Gerson Rosas. We'll talk about that more in the second segment. This is more about reviewing the year and all the chaos that happened and some of the good things that happened. Of course, Ryan Saunders will be the long-term head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves for your contract. Gerson Rosas, also for your contract, president of basketball operations. So they are joined at the hip now to run this Minnesota Timberwolves franchise at least the next four years, hopefully for many, 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 many more, because if they are, that means they had success, and there's no reason to bid them adieu. So, <laughs> with further ado, without further ado, let's start hopping into the Timberwolves season wrap-up right now. Uh, segment number two, we'll be looking at, well, <laughs> the, the draft and free agency comments about that, my scouting, of course, of certain players and such, free agency. There will be a segment 1.5 once again, which will be a very brief playoff review, as that's a tradition we started a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, we'll talk about the playoffs one way or another. And segment number three is what? That's right, fan interaction. So, the season wrap-up. Oh, boy. Well, the tensions from Jimmy Butler started to boil back in the summertime, and they really boiled over as we headed into training camp. It was just the most beautiful thing ever, heading into, like, a Late September, early October, Jimmy Butler in the preseason practices, cursing out Carl Anthony Towns, Wiggins, Thibbs, and Scott Layden, saying, you bleeping need me. Taylor, literally, it was mysteriously, methodically, just sat there doing nothing for an extended period, and Thibbs acted like nothing was wrong. It was just like the strangest thing I've ever seen, and I still don't truly understand what that was all about. Um, it was, a, was it just Taylor, like, I'm not ready to fire him, I'm going to, but I can't right now? Was it Thibs? I don't really care, I'm gone anyway. I don't know, but I basically hear that Tom Thibodeau has, there's a certain thing missing in him where he doesn't really get mad at, he, you know, it's like he, he, he gets mad during games in the heat of battle, this and that, but in, on a personal level, he doesn't really get mad at anybody, which is kind of interesting. That's I wish I had that, actually. Like, that uh, people would ask him, did <laughs> Jimmy Butler betray you by, you know, you bring him in, he's he's going to help you lead this franchise to the promised land. Yeah, right, but you know what I mean. <laughs> he's going to attempt to lead this franchise to the promised land. And next thing you know, one bleeping year later, he's already on his way out, demanding and insulting everybody, demanding his way out and all that. And then Thibs is like, no, I don't feel betrayed. We're We're still friends. So I guess I had that trade. I don't think I have it. Those of you that know me, I don't think I have that. But uh, at the same time, yeah, I mean, <laughs> holding a grudge forever is stupid. 
but uh, maybe a short grudge, I guess. Uh, At the end of the day, the season started badly, as expected, because the son of a biscuit was still on the Timberwolves roster. Timberwolves lose a pretty close game in San Antonio, but, uh, well, I don't know. It wasn't a very well-put-together team at the moment. The Spurs weren't really ready to rock and roll, but a 112-108 loss in San Antonio on the 17th of October as the season continues to stretch earlier and earlier into October. As you remember, back in the day, seasons would start on November 2nd, and then they'd start on Halloween, and then on the 28th, and the 26th, and the, you know, so that's basically been inching and inching further and further back because of teams like... Yeah, that team, like that team in Northern California, all complaining about back-to-backs because we all feel sorry for them, don't we? Don't you just feel sorry for that Northern California team? Oh, I feel awful for them. Oh, no. Poor, poor them. Cleveland Cavaliers, the defending Western or Eastern Conference champion, Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, <laughs> Eastern Conference champions. Wolves get their first win of the year, then you get a four-point loss in Dallas. You beat Indy by 10 at home, most impressive win of the year. Uh, Butler had some good moments against Cleveland and such. That 140-136 loss to Dallas was like, again, Tom Thibodeau's in, like, what, his third year with the Wolves, and we're still giving up 140 points. Yeah, great defense. Uh, Then you see the two best teams in the East. Little did we know they would be that, but I suppose with a healthy Kawhi Leonard, Toronto had a chance to be something like that. Milwaukee, what an amazing team. What an amazing team they were during the regular season. 125-95 crushing the Timberwolves in Target Center. That was demoralizing and crushing. But a a, a lot of this was, again, symptoms of, well, Jimmy Butler syndrome, I guess. He was still on the roster. Some days he played, some days he didn't. He had the precautionary rest. He just like he didn't give a rat's ass. And then some days he did give a rat's ass just for the hell of it. Like, oh, I might as well play hard today. Um, you lose at Toronto by only seven. That's not bad. But then get throttled by 30 to the Bucks Whew, in Target Center. That's pretty wild. Uh, you beat the Lakers with LeBron James. First game with the, the Laker-led LeBron James. What a disappointing start to the season and what a disappointing overall run for the Los Angeles Lakers. For uh, Vinrock, Vince Germano, Stu Benson, Kalen Woods. Laker fans from Australia and members of the Courtside Podcast. Kalen Woods is, uh, of course, a, one of the loyal followers of the show. Uh, Finrock, Vince Germano, Stu Benson, hosts of the Courtside Podcast. Always going to give them a shout-out. There'll be more coming along the way. You finally beat Ricky Rubio with the Jazz on Halloween. Happy Halloween, Rubio. Yeah. <laughs> By three points in the Target Center. We'll score 128. That was an epic game. And, of course, Derrick Rose scored a career-high 50 points as Derrick Rose jumps into Timberwolves history. The Wolves were wearing those classic jerseys. But I'll file a complaint about them. That was my least favorite uh, edition of those classic tree jerseys in the uh, in in the uh, late '90s and early to mid 2000s. I don't like the black ones because we look like the bleeping Spurs. I I hate the Spurs. Why do I want to look like the Spurs? I like the blue ones, and the white ones were the home ones. I mean, you're gonna wear white jerseys at home. Of course, that's over. Now we're like hockey. We wear dark jerseys at home most of the time. I guess, or we wear whatever we want when you're the home team. But uh, Derek Rose, epic game, 50 point performance. Ricky Rubio, things just didn't go so well. 55-5, to Rose over Rubio in an epic battle. Epic uh, performance by Derek Bleepin' Rose. Josh Okoge getting a start, which was awesome. 10 points in 37 minutes. Great, solid defense. Gotta love what Josh Okoge bring the rookie. And he just kind of set the tone for the rest of the season around this point. Josh Okoge went from a guy who could barely get in the rotation to now, now he's playing starter minutes. And he was so solid and good and all that. And uh, Rose shot the ball a little too much for my liking, but he made so many shots, and he got to the line, and 50 points is 50 points. 
Uh, it wasn't quite Kobe Bryant's, you know, 50 attempts to get 60 points in his last game or anything. But uh, that was a subtle jab, I guess. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Derrick Rose, though, 50 points. That was cool. It was a nice moment for many a Timberwolves fan and many a Derrick Rose fan on that night. As Derrick Rose is back. He's the MVP again for one night. Uh, happy Halloween to the Utah Jazz, and uh, what a happy Halloween it was for Derrick Rose. One of the true highlights of the season, to be quite honest, in a season that lacked, that lacked quite a few. And yes, I'm Der- uh, again, Butler had a good game or two, and generally was out with precautionary rest, this and that, and a lot of times on layups, there were times he just went up flat, like he just did not give a rat's ass, and that harkens back to the days of Latrell Sprewell. Uh, his second season with the Timberwolves, after he thought that uh, he had a family to feed, and Going from 14 to 7 was just an insult and a slap in the face. Well, he never saw another penny in the NBA after that because, well, he was going to get 21 more million dollars that he never got to see again because he was such a bleeping asshole. He couldn't, he couldn't accept it. It was just such an insult. He just, he just couldn't deal with it. So, Jimmy, that 21 million, you could sure use it right now, couldn't you? Couldn't you? I just called him Jimmy uh, Latrell. So Latrell, Spiel, you could sure use that 21 million now, couldn't you? Wouldn't that 21 million look real good right now? The sad truth is that's probably what his annual salary would have been, even in his later days, in this day and age. Holy Toledo. But, okay, now I'm going all over the place because I like to jump back into history and things trigger memories because that's how I am. I'm crazy. Uh, but the month of November would bring some fate, some better fate to the Timberwolves. Of course, you lose to the Warriors. Big shock in uh, Northern California. Just so much fun to watch. Uh, no, it's not. It's, it's not fun to watch. It isn't at all, un- uh, unless you're a Warriors fan, I guess, which, yeah, over my dead body. <sighs> November sucked. Uh, it sucked. I mean, Jimmy Butler is a... F- <laughs> you can kind of guess which direction I was going there, so good thing I stopped myself. Frickin' jackass? Yeah. Well, that's what took place the month of November, as things were going the way they were, and then the guy just completely did what he did. I mean, he just shot the bed. He didn't give a rat's ass about anything. Uh, Sacramento, that Sacramento game was like, get him the frick out of here. Just get him out of here. Get him out of here. I'm going to kill him. That's kind of how things were heading. I mean, that lackadaisical, I don't give a crap attitude was like sickening to watch. I mean, 3-12. to Again, that layup. (laughs) Sacramento. Again, Sacramento. I mean, mean, again, it was a 6th grade layup. I, I don't even think it was a sixth grade. It was like first grade. You just go up and doof, doof, the ball goes off the bottom of the rim, back into your face practically. That's about what it was. Like, he just didn't care. I mean, he just didn't care. It was like he was out there just bleeping around and chuckling. You know, he wasn't chuckling, but, you know, when guys are just screwing around in the, uh, at the playground, they just, you know, I mean, there's just nothing to do. You're just playing around. Maybe you're tired after a long work week, and you're just screwing around. That's about what Jimmy Butler looked like. Oh, thank you, Lord in heaven. This would be his last game in Minnesota. Oh, God almighty. Lord, I mean, that that uh, that set me on a... I, I mean, I almost, like, went ballistic when I saw that. And But then again, I guess you kind of expect that. And then the trade was pending. Happy Veterans Day and happy veterans coming to the Timberwolves. Some happy veterans... Ah, Jimmy Butler traded to Philadelphia. Of all places, the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> Joey. Happy <The> days. <laughs> As, uh... <laughs> uh... 
Mike McCoy slash Wayne Hunt would say, happy days. Yeah, happy days. I mean, what what more are you going to do? I mean, what more can you say? He's finally gone. Thibodeau's still the coach, though. But Butler's gone. Oh, we'll, we'll worry about the coach in the next month or so. But uh, <clears throat> Jared Bayless, oh, goody, a, a filler. But he ended up actually being a vital piece because freaking nobody could stay healthy on this team. I mean, nobody including somebody named Robert Covington. But while he was here, he was freaking awesome. Dario Saric ended up being the Iron Man of that group and, uh, you know, having his good game, 7 of 11, Saric, Saric. And then games where he wasn't as good. But uh, Saric definitely provided some positive moments, some silky smooth offensive skill when he got to start when a certain younger coach took over. A guy, sometimes, he, you know, he's got a little, he's got some facial twitches, kind of like Flip Saunders, but in a different way. <laughs> I swear, both of those guys, they got that little hyper twitch Flip Saunders back in the day, of course, all the way up, uh, you know, all the way up to the end. Flip Saunders had that kind of, <laughs> he was a little on the hyper side, you could tell. Maybe I am too, you could probably tell that. Uh, Ryan Saunders, absolutely, you can see it uh, in his youth and probably for forever. Um, but yeah, he would take over and then you'd see Sharish starting. But um, Covington... What a valuable piece he was. Positive vibes. You wouldn't see him in Brooklyn, but just the whole the whole vibe of the team had already improved, even though those guys weren't even on the roster. You beat a vast improving Brooklyn Nets team by seven points in Target Center. Everyone's all happy. And then you head to Nolens, 107-100 on the 14th of November. Again, we got demolished the last five games with Jimmy Butler on the roster earlier in the month. You win 107-100 over New Orleans. A very fun game in Target Center. That was a, a lot of fun. Only 11,000 people attended that game, by the way. It was just really sad. It shows how many people cared about the trade, I guess. The fan base had just completely... <sighs> the fan base had just completely lost interest at this point, which is really sad. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, what an awful game. 22 attempts. Is that probably why the freaking... <laughs> 22 attempts and only 23 points. That's probably why the freaking uh, Pelicans were still in it. But Covington, nice positive start. Not the greatest numbers ever, but again, very positive in general. Brought that nice energy, that nice defense, and things felt great. You wouldn't see Jared Bayless play for a long time as he was still recovering from a knee injury and eventually, again, just kind of inactive because he wasn't, you know, just he wasn't needed at the time. Rose, again, inactive in this game, but the Wolves survive and play very well. Robert Covington bringing that positive energy to Minnesota, and everybody loved it. What a shame! It was such a short, it was such a short-lived uh, time with Robert Covington on this roster. As of course, Ryan Saunders would never coach Robert Covington during the 2018-2019 season. But the elite defense—I mean, like one of the top defenders in all of basketball—and you could totally see it. I mean, his analytics show him as literally like quite possibly the best defender of the league. Like he's that good, Covington. When you look at the analytics and all that such, just that's how good Robert Cummings' defense is. Um, and then things that kind of snowball again. I mean, the positive vibe was there. There's always the sugar high. Things feel so much better. You go on a three-game win streak. Then you lose. You, you lose by 13 to Memphis. You only score 87 points. You lose a couple of games there, Memphis and Denver. And then you beat Brooklyn again. You rail all over Chicago. You go on a four-game win streak to. And uh, the month of November, including beating the Spurs 128 to 89. I mean, that's that never happens, ever. Um, but you can't imagine a whole lot of good players being on the roster. Yet they were. That's the weird part. Everybody was there. Demar Derozan, Lamarcus Aldridge, who used to torture the Wolves. Even Rudy Gay, who, yeah, didn't have a good game. Some people compare him to Andrew Wiggins, which is kind of sad. 
Covington, unbelievable. Just an overall team effort. Nobody really had great numbers. Covington ended up leading the team in scoring, hitting threes and doing everything else. Basically out there, Rose, elite. Uh, <laughs> elite. This is like the perfect Rose game where he only had 18 minutes, yet managed to score 16 points, 6 of 8 from the floor. That's like the perfect Rose game in a lot of ways. Same with the Kogi. In only 10 minutes, he scored 12 points. 3 of 4 from downtown. It was a 3-point fest for the Minnesota Timberwolves. It felt much more than it was, just generally the Wolves' overall shooting. It's just one of those nights where the rim was the ocean. 44% from downtown, 51 from the floor. Beautiful, fun game. That was one of the highlights of the season. Uh, team highlights, like not individual highlights like Derrick Rose. You saw some beautiful nights during the course of the season. Then you lose to Boston as you head into December. couple wins versus Houston, which is really impressive. And Charlotte. The Wolves actually beat Houston a couple times this year, which is amazing. We actually beat Charlotte, too, which almost never happens. But at least it was in Target Center. We never win in Charlotte. Uh, Portland lost. And then it was just kind of a back and forth. The Wolves ended up losing, what, four in a row. So you had a couple wins in a row, a couple losses in a row, and that's kind of how the year ended. And then before you know it, there was no more Robert Covington. And it was just like, hmm, it just wasn't the same. Still played up to the end of the year. As on the uh, New Year's Eve, Robert Covington was still healthy, thankfully. And New Orleans got their first win versus the Wolves in a while after getting swept by Minnesota last season and beaten this year as well. So luckily, Covington would hang on a little longer. <sighs> but then things would change. Next thing you know, there was no more Covington. And it was just so disappointing. And you never saw him again. And it was just, oh, man. That basically happened against New Orleans that night. Covington, very solid game. Ends up having what you'd call the worst leg contusion in history. Uh, contusion, of course, is a bone bruise. It's not a good thing. I mean, it's the bone's damaged. Uh, if the bone's bruised, it, that means it's bleeding. If the bone's bleeding, that's bad. Uh, there's something going on there. And what's crazy, and that's why I keep calling it the worst contusion in history, because it seems ridiculous. Like, I mean, if you broke your leg, you'd be back at some point. Maybe you'd probably be able to play 5-on-5 five five by now, right? I mean, considering we're talking like New Year's Eve here, it's, you know, like a lot later in the year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, I guess. But um, it's pretty weird. I mean, but in a lot of ways, it is like a broken leg because it's a damaged bone. So basically, that's what it is. Still couldn't play 5-on-5 five five basketball well into the end of May. Just unbelievable. Uh, things quickly derail with disappointing losses to Phoenix and other bad teams. Um, and despite the Timberwolves blowing out the Lakers and having some other really good games around this time, beating Orlando by 17, who ended up being a playoff team, if you could believe it. The Wolves absolutely derail, destroy the Los Angeles Lakers. Of course, no LeBron James after the uh, ugh, the Christmas groin injury. How about that? That was depressing. But again, Timberwolves crush the Los Angeles Lakers, 108-86. You don't even put thought to it. You pay no mind to it. You just figure, okay, nice, easy win against a team that you know wasn't in a good vibe at the moment. No LeBron James and undermanned, and it was just a nice positive night despite no Covington and all that, and you know, you're just chilling, ignoring things, Think almost kind of, well, basically thinking about football around that time of year, because you're heading into the postseason and all that, um, and then, and then all of a sudden, there's this alert, and it's like, you're just kind of like looking around, and it's like, you know, okay, what does this one say, what, some 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 score, some game I don't really care all that much about. 
Uh, did Steph Curry chew his mouth guard too hard and he, and he hit a three-pointer from, from the half-court line in practice? Like, who cares? I'm sick of stupid alerts like that. I remember that was happening during the 73-win season. Who cares? Okay, he had a half-court shot in practice. Yay. Or in shoot-around, like pregame shoot-around. But then... Timberwolves fire Thibodeau. I'm like, what? <laughs> Joey. Happy <The> days. <laughs> and you'll hear happy days yet again. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> I, I can't even believe it. But uh, the Timberwolves fired Tom Thibodeau. And it looks like the uh, interim coach is Ryan Saunders. Remember that? Remember Ryan Saunders all that? You think, okay, I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of rumors around that Flip Saunders is going to coach the team the next four or five years, this and that. God willing, if nothing happened to the poor guy, I, I'm still sick about that. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm still sick that Flip Saunders isn't around, man. It still hurts. Uh, I'm sure it's going to hurt forever, basically. But um, that was his vision, coach, for for the next four or five years, or who, who knows? I mean, but that was his vision. It ended up being that when it ended up not being Dave Yeager, the Yeg bomb, so to speak, coming from uh, Memphis to Minnesota. That Ryan Sutters would be the uh, the crown prince, so to speak, to become the Timberwolves coach. That was Flip's plan. He wanted Ryan Sutters to get his uh, start as a head coach in the NBA with the Minnesota Timberwolves, ultimately. And it ended up happening anyway. It ended up happening anyway, right about a similar timeline, which is the craziest thing ever. Four or five years, Flip would just go right back up to the front office and he'd be the head coach. Now, is it kind of a tough conflict of interest type of situation where you're the president of basketball is the dad and the son is the coach? It's kind of weird. That'd be like, I don't think that's ever happened. And if it has, I, I don't know. But still, conflict of interest or not, it was uh, kind of a, you know, it was an interesting thought. Hopefully, Ryan's got it. We'll see what happens. But now, Ryan's on his own. I mean, he is the interim coach of the Timberwolves. It's the coolest thing ever, and it's like, wow, you go from a guy named Tom Thibodeau who gave this team a hard time in a lot of ways, you know, cutting players down during heated moments in games. He wouldn't cut players down in uh, in practice or anything, but it was more of in the heated moments. You know, Carl Anthony Towns makes a mistake, Tom Thibodeau slams his fist on the scorer's table, says, what the F are you doing, JC, you stupid MF-er. I mean, it was like, holy crap. You could see it, obviously, watching the YouTube videos or, of course, the live game against the Clippers, uh, which would now be, you know, quite a while ago, but like like a year and a half ago. Um, (laughs) It was a kind of a funny Brett Favre type of play, an inbound play. Wolves are leading by, what, seven? With, like, 45 seconds left, 50 seconds left. Like, what are you trying to give the game away? So, yes, you're annoyed, but maybe you don't want to go that far. And Thibodeau did at that moment. So, uh, I don't know. Now you're bringing Ryan Saunders, who everybody loves. And who, by the way, despite his extremely young age, 32 at the time, as now he's 33, uh, he could run for office, I suppose. (laughs) I'm just messing around. But maybe he could be the mayor of Minneapolis at this point. Um, But, yeah, you bring him in. And it's like he already had, like, 10 years' experience as an assistant coach, which is crazy. That's the benefit of truly being the son of a of a coach is, well, you can start off earlier than the average person. Ten bleeping years as an assistant coach. That's a lot of experience. I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't give, I, I don't care what city you were born in. <laughs> I don't care who you're, you know, ten years of experience means a lot. It means a lot. That That is something that cannot be ignored. So, 
is, is he ready? Is he not? Well, he's ready enough, and he's going to have to be ready at this moment because he's the interim coach of the Timberwolves. And then you get this positive vibe again, just like when Covington came. This one even more positive in a lot of ways because you got the, the boogeyman out the door. Now, again, that was on January 6th when Mr. Thibodeau was let go. You go to January 8th, Andrew Wiggins becomes, again, continuing to show that he's the owner of the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, like they show on Wikipedia, that uh, Andrew Wiggins owns the Thunder. 40 points. <laughs> he had the game-winning shot a year ago in OKC with the, the Jimmy Butler with a crying Jordan face. That was a funny YouTube video uh, that I recommend out there with uh, Butler's game-winning, game-tying shots where he missed all of them. Hilarious video, by the way. Oh, boy, good. <laughs> Hilarious video. Oh, I'm just looking outside. Good thing I didn't start doing lawns. It's, yeah, crap. Well, that's it's always a good time to record, right, when it's raining. Oh, side note there, but no, great uh, great play. Great overall night by Wiggins. What a positive vibe. Wolves only win by two, but it was a beautiful win nonetheless. And all the players were dumping water bottles all over uh, Mr. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Ryan Saunders. It was a beautiful fun vibe for Minnesota, and everyone felt so good, at least for one night. And it's like you hope this guy can do it. Hopefully that's the case. And then you see the three-point shooting go up. You see the defense not improve. Um, but the three-point shooting went up. You saw some interesting plays. You got to see the old flip play right at the beginning with Kevin Garnett. It was a Kevin Garnett kind of play with like the, uh, going to the baseline. Ended up being Carl Anthony Towns being the quote-unquote Kevin Garnett. I would think he's the Kevin Garnett of the roster right now. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But again, the power forward, the center guy, <laughs> going off into the baseline and making the play there. Cool flip play. <clears throat> Carl would score. It was a weird shot, but it went in to open up the game. And the first play as uh, Ryan Saunders' head coaching career couldn't have, you know what? That couldn't have been the better thing. I mean, there there couldn't have been a better move than that right now, right? With a, 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 a better tribute to his dad, making the very first play of his head coaching career a, a Flip Saunders play. Like, that's pretty cool stuff. It was awesome. Everybody knew it, and wow, it was freaking cool. Wolves win 119-117. You know, again, there's always the sugar high, and then there's the lows, and you get beat right away by Dallas. You come back and beat New Orleans, and then there was the game of the year in terms of negativity. There was no Robert Covington in this game, okay? That's definitely an excuse in terms of, like, you're undermanned. But nobody can tell me that you can accept this game. <laughs> nobody on earth can accept this. Tuesday, January the 15th, Black Tuesday, one of the darkest days in Emerald's history, other than October 25th, which was 2015. You can kind of guess what day that was. October 25th, 2015. You can kind of guess. Um, that was a dark, dark, dark day. But uh, this was one of the darkest in Timberwolves history. You lose 149. 149. Regulation score, right? Yeah, 149 to 107 in Philadelphia against the hated asshole Jimmy Butler. What? I mean, that's f freaking awful. This did not sit well with anybody. Um, and it's like... I don't know what happened here, other than he's in their heads. And, uh, you know, and it's not just Jimmy Butler being in the Wolves' heads. It's Joel Embiid is in the Timberwolves' heads, particularly Carl Anthony Towns. Four of ten. And, you know, Joel Embiid is completely in Carl Anthony Towns' head. Um, I, I don't know, man. It's funny when you hear uh, guys like uh, Pat Royce in town 
very experienced columnist. Obviously, why would you say get that clown out of Philadelphia? He's not a perfect guy. He's weird and everything. This Joel Embiid, but I don't know. I mean, I I don't know if he can get into people's heads and to this point, I wouldn't want to get rid of Joel Embiid. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Royce was just ranting. I don't know because he's known to do that on occasion. But I I don't know. <laughs> on this night. Yeah, I mean, Joel Embiid would look awfully good in the Timberwolves uniform because he wouldn't be in the Timberwolves' heads. He'd be a Timberwolf. That would be a little different. 31 points, 13 rebounds, all over the place, 10 of 17, just tortured us. Jimmy Butler, 8 of 10, 3 of 4 from downtown. Did everything he needed to do with only 10 attempts. This was an abomination. Some of the worst defense you've ever seen. And not only the lack of defense, the lack of effort. And it's like, you know, Ryan Saunders just started. How many days ago? Seven days ago? One week? One week ago? This is the best you can give him? I mean, you want Ryan Saunders to get hired full-time and you give him this? Wow. So, I mean, I don't think there was a soul pleased about this one. I mean, it's like a slap in the face to every Timberwolves fan in the history of freaking Timberwolves fandom. Oh, my. I mean, I don't know, man. That was... That was messed up. Really, really messed up. I... Can't even believe what I'm seeing, you know. And it's just like it was the most disgusting performance ever. Timberwolves managed to go back to back against Phoenix again after losing to the Spurs by only three at Target Center a couple of days later. Much better effort. You have a couple of okay games. You beat the Lakers again. You beat you lose to the Jazz in a close one. Then you get throttled by the Jazz in Target Center, 125-111. That had a little 76ers flair to it, but not as bad. You finally bleep and beat Memphis. You actually scored 99 freaking points against them and keep them to 97. Then you lose. Freaking four in a row, Denver, Memphis, all that as you head into February. Then you beat the Clippers and the Rockets. I, I I don't know, I guess. I mean, it's one thing to lose to Denver by a point. I get it. Losing to Memphis again, getting beat by Orlando and New Orleans on the road. Not not that good in the southeast there. Then you win three in a row. You beat the Knicks, the all-star break, all that. You beat the Knicks. Very fun game. This is when Carl Anthony Towns had the scare of his life. Almost, you know, he believes he had a minimal chance of survival as this huge truck was coming behind him and wasn't stopping him and rear-ended him pretty good. And we're talking a semi here. And uh, the rate of survival in those, I guess, is pretty low. And Carl ends up coming out with a concussion. And, boy, I'm glad he was okay. This and that scary moment for Carl Anthony Towns as he would miss the game, but the Wolves would win, thankfully. Oh, man. Scary, scary night indeed for Carl Anthony Towns. But the Wolves still managed to beat the New York Knicks. He comes back later on to beat the Sacramento Kings. That was a great, great overall night. 34 points, 21 rebounds, huge night. And Carl Anthony Towns was looking to get towards that uh, whole uh, first team, second team, third team All-NBA roster so he could get the huge raise in his uh, super, so he could get a super max rather than a regular max, which I guess he needs more money, I guess. But hey, it's capitalism, right? Well, this is when Carl Anthony Towns started to get better and better and better, but the Wolves' defense kept getting worse and worse and worse, like 131 to the hapless Hawks. Come on. Uh, Pacers, uh, at this point, end of February, I do believe, yeah, he was already out for the year, uh, Oladipo, ACL, if I remember correctly, but uh, Bogdanovich, 37 points. That was just obnoxious. I couldn't believe Bogdanovich was that good in that game, but he was. Uh, 122-115. A Pacers team that ended up playing pretty well the rest of the year despite uh, not having Victor Oladipo, but then here come the playoffs and they injured Jack. But 131 against Atlanta in Atlanta. I mean, it's one thing the Wolves never win there for some freaking reason. I, I don't know why. They just never win in Atlanta. Just like Charlotte. 
But 131, I mean, that's an abomination. That's ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. <clears throat> but uh, it was really something to see Carl actually miss his uh, first game of his career. You move forward and Carl doesn't play against the Knicks again. Similar situation here. Just, uh, just don't, you know, so this is a bit of a shoulder situation as well, kind of, with Carl. Not so much the concussion. Actually, knee, pardon me. His knee was a bit gimpy. So, I mean, precautionary. The New York Knicks at this point were the worst team in the league. No disrespect to Philip Brown, of course. I like the Knicks. I want them to get better. Kind of sad that they didn't get the number one pick, actually. I'd like to, I would have liked it to see New York or Atlanta get it. Honestly, more, I would, you know, seeing who did get it, meh. You know, and we'll talk about that in segment number two a bit. And where the Wolves will draft, we'll talk about that in segment number two as well. <clears throat> but no, Carl did not play the New York Knicks at all this season. A bit gimpy, scary situation with his knee, but luckily, again, not too serious. He'd come back in a couple of games there. <clears throat> Pardon me, Wolves continue to beat up on OKC on the 5th of Mar- Marzo, March. You move forward, you get, beat, uh, you get beat by Oklahoma City by 10. You finally lose to Houston, unfortunately. Uh, of course, you lose at Charlotte, big shocker on the 21st. But then you have the uh, controversial game against the Golden State Warriors on the 29th of March. Very, very close game. Wolves played a wonderful effort. The traditional every single year, going back to Sam Mitchell and then two years with the Thibodeau, <clears throat> the Timberwolves would beat the uh, Golden State Warriors at least once. One time in OKC, which was unbelievable. That was at Sam Mitchell. That was when the OKC Thunder were, or excuse me, the Golden State Warriors were still trying to get their, uh, they're trying to beat the Bulls, their 73rd win. They'd still get it, but the Wolves almost prevented it, boy, because that was a close call there at the end. Um, wonderful overall night. Andrew Wiggins played okay. <laughs> Generally, it was more of a team effort. Uh, Josh Akogi was excellent. The Wolves would end up winning 131-130 on a lob pass at inbound where there was a foul called on Mr. Kevin Durant, which wouldn't go well. Earlier, the Timberwolves were up by three points, and there was a foul called, whatever, that kind of put the Warriors in, in a position. To, to, to be behind still. And then Curry hits a three-pointer tied up. He taunts the ref and everything. He's literally taunting the ref, and the ref didn't even blink, which annoys me. It's like it's like the league treats Steph Curry like he's God, and that's another reason to not like the guy. The ultimate thing, though, regardless if a tech was called or not, the attitude of Steph Curry is what I don't like. You know, just too much. you got to stop with it. you got to stop with the antics, the taunting. You're in your 30s now. I mean, I hope I hoped he would be past this point, but he still isn't. And this game showed me more and more reason why I don't like the guy. Just just cut it out. Like, okay, you hit the shot. We're happy for you, okay? That's like your 9 billionth shot you made. We get it now, okay? You don't have to do something every single time you hit a shot. So I was trying to calm down on the guy because he'd been better about it. And then and then he does that. It's like, seriously, bleep off, dude. And, uh, I mean, I just went off on Twitter. And I ended up deleting it because it was a little too much. <laughs> or did I delete it? I don't think I did, and I don't care. Uh, I think I might have. I deleted something because it was a little too much, <laughs> a little, little, little too, too, too pissed off. Um, because I hate that kind of crap. I do. But luckily, guess what? You know, inbound pass to Carl Anthony Towns ends up being called a foul on Kevin Durant, and well, Carl hits one of the free throws, and uh, the Wolves win the game with zero time remaining. Ha ha ha! Take that there, and the Wolves didn't taunt Steph Curry or the Warriors because, well, what's the point? What's the point? It's a one. It's one game, you know, and all that. Um, 
you could have winked at him possibly like yeah well you know maybe you got what you deserved the crappy part is though if you, have, you play the Warriors and all that you beat the Warriors but it's a back to back and this is the game of the year here Jimmy Butler coming back to Target Center where you want to boo the hell out of him and beat the crap out of him but you just played the Warriors in overtime of all teams are you kidding me so did it have to turn out this way of course the schedule makers did not know Jimmy Butler was going to be on the Philadelphia 76ers like who could have guessed that so uh, what a crappy situation though the Wolves definitely had energy at times during this game but certainly did not show a whole lot in the first quarter they came back and made it a respectable game did the Wolves but 38 to 20 was an awful start after the very beginning there was a little bit of energy and then the Sixers just pulled away big time there was a moment where Carl and uh, Butler were going up for a rebound and Carl literally, like, it was kind of like a side check, like in hockey a little bit. Carl kind of into Jimmy Butler, where Butler was pulling up lame a bit, his lower back, and that drew some cheers from the crowd. But Butler would not go out of the game for very long, just a short period. He did shoot 4 of 17, though. It was an awful night for Butler, which, again, was good. But the Sixers continue to owe the Timber, own the Timberwolves. No Joel Embiid, by the way, but somebody named Jonah Bolden, yes, he's from Australia, yes, he's a good player, but 5 of 7 from downtown in the later stretches in this game was disgusting. When the Wolves actually had came back and almost were going to beat this club, and Jonah bleeping Bolden mm, ends up uh, finishing the Timberwolves off. That was kind of disgusting, but it is what it is, I guess. <sighs> that was frustrating. One of the more frustrating losses of the year, to be quite honest. At this point, I mean, everybody was pretty much, you know, like, okay, the Wolves aren't going to make it this year. They're too far behind. And moments like that just kind of sealed it. And then April was just kind of what it was. It was like tankathon. Sure, the Wolves beat Dallas and Miami, which were actually kind of fun little wins. But other than that, you get beat by Portland. Okay, see, finally beats the Wolves in Target Center. 132 points. And then a close loss to Denver after getting beat by 10 to Toronto the night before. Close loss in Denver this time. It wasn't like the two teams were playing for the uh, the two teams were not playing for a playoff position. Denver was already first place and had a chance to have a pretty special season. Unfortunately, it came up a bit shorter than they would have hoped, though. At least they got out of the first round. <laughs> did Denver uh, beating the Wolves 99-95 in the final game of the regular season, which would be a okay year. Just 36 wins. I mean, it's better than 15. It's better than 17. In the David Kahn and Kurt Rambis era, but uh, still not a good season. Not what a lot of people wanted. At the end of the day, the defense still in question as you head into Ryan Saunders into the offseason, but uh, he's looking to make some changes. We'll talk about that in the second segment and looking also uh, in the more modern approach to the NBA, coaching staff and all that, looking more at a football approach with an offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator without maybe necessarily officially being called that. <clears throat> maybe they'll just subtly be called that. We'll see who's. We'll see what that is. Uh, <clears throat> Sam Mitchell has left the uh, Penny Hardaway coaching staff with uh, Tennessee. Penny Hardaway, head coach of Tennessee, Sam Mitchell left the staff. We'll see what the reasoning is. Is he coming to help uh, Ryan Saunders out? Who knows? Uh, Jerry Sheesting, will he stick? Will he be kept on? As a lot of the uh, Thibodeau veterans are most likely on their way out. Unfortunately, the contract is over, and well, it just kind of is what it is. Ed Pinkty and Will Greer, guys like that, could very likely be on their way out. And probably, we'll see what happens. Is Randy Whitman coming back again? Is Sidney Lowe coming back again? I, I don't know. I think you got to get some younger guys. You can't just recycle the same coaching staff over and over again, because if it is, welcome to uh, the country club yet again. 
First Avenue downtown, man. That's all there is to say about that. 601 First Avenue Target Center. Uh, yeah, wouldn't that be cute? Wouldn't that be cute? We'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> 601. Yep, 6th Street and 1st Street. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I I, I don't know, man. I, I kind of hope that he doesn't bring them all back, but she's going to be cool to keep. I think a lot of people like that guy. Former Boston Celtic in the 80s. Cool, cool, cool. Backup point guard for the Celtics in the 80s. Um, interesting, interesting overall season, of course. Again, you just wish you got to see Ryan Saunders with uh, Robert Covington because obviously the defense is not going to be as good when your stud defender is not there. Carl Anthony Towns had some moments where his defense was better. Andrew Wiggins had some moments where his defense was better. And then they would relapse back where it wasn't as good. Josh Okogie's got a nice future as a very solid defender. You have Okogie, you have Covington, an improved Carl and an improved Andrew defensively. I think it's a good start, definitely. you got to bring in some more defensive players to this team. Obviously, uh, Rosas talked about that in the uh, Saunders press conference. Saunders talked about different schemes and such. We'll try to talk about that some more after segment 1.5 as we head into the future with this club. But for now, we'll pass out the awards and demerits. The most valuable player for 2018-2019 is, well, a no-brainer. It's Carl Anthony Towns yet again. Starting off with his rookie year all the way up to today. Nobody's really going to take that away from Carl Anthony Towns. The biggest disappointment is going to be the same guy as it was last year. Even though he improved in some ways, his defense got better, but he's still got a long way to go. And I'm not an Andrew Wiggins basher, but it is Andrew Wiggins. I'm not a basher. I'm not saying, yeah, use your use your like first round pick to get rid of him. That's dumb. Isn't that dumb? I mean, I get it. His contract is awful. And is he ever going to live up to it? It's like, probably not. But there is enough there for me to at least say, hey, man, there's still a chance that he could still be a valuable player for this team without being a complete, absolute, utter bust. He's not, he's not Bennett, okay? He's not Anthony Bennett. He, he's not Anthony Bennett. He's just not even close to Anthony Bennett, actually. He's not uh, Michael Oluwakandi. He's not at that stage. The IQ needs to improve. And I don't know what you do. Uh, the crazy part was how when he got his role taken away from him, it, it hurt him. You know, like I've said on like maybe a hundred episodes in the last two or three years with Andrew Wiggins, when his number one or number two role got taken away from him, it, it hurt him. Like first, you know, Carl came in. He wasn't quite the same, but he was still really good. But then he also had an improving Zach Levine. So his role diminished a little bit and he seemed to get more desperate when he did get the ball. Like I have to shoot here which is stupid. And he ended up attempting more shots than he needed to. And they were stupid shots, ill-advised shots. So with a bigger role, because he is the number two scoring option on this team, if you like it or not, he gets, and he's going to have to be. Um, it's just going to have to be smarter basketball and, of course, catch-and-shoot threes. And hopefully, and we pray to God that the offensive coordinator and, of course, head coach Ryan Saunders can uh, head in that direction with Andrew Wiggins more and more catch-and-shoot because when Zach Levine who a lot of you would say, and I agree right now, obviously, is a better offensive player than Andrew Wiggins. That's pretty obvious, right? When Sam Mitchell, a little bit of common sense basketball, I know a lot of you don't want to go old school, blah, 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 but this isn't old school. Catch-and-shoot threes are not old school. What do the Warriors do? Do they shoot catch-and-shoot threes, or or am I seeing, am I completely blind to it? I think they shoot catch-and-shoot threes, don't they? And um, that's what made Zach Levine a better player? Because he wasn't just putting the ball on the floor and jacking shots up, a la J.J. Barea and, well, the one guy that can do it and get away with it is Steph Curry. 
there's only one Steph Curry in the NBA right now. Um, maybe there's a guy in the draft that could approach something like that. I don't know. Maybe something, maybe a, a lesser version, but we'll see. We'll talk about him in segment number two. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, though, again, there's more to Andrew Wiggins than some of you might be giving him credit. To literally give away a first-round pick just to get rid of the guy and probably take on another not-so-good contract, that doesn't sound smart to me. It, it just doesn't. And if we're that desperate and that sick of Wiggins, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think you're giving up a little too quick. I don't think he's Dominique Wilkins. Nope. I don't think. I certainly don't think he's Kobe Bryant. But I think there's more to him than Jeff Green. <laughs> I think there's more to him than Jeff Green. I'm not quite that far yet. I, I don't know. Um, so that's where I stand on that. But to, to date, he is the biggest disappointment. The biggest surprise of the season would have to be the rookie from uh, the 20th overall pick in 2018. That would be John Jacoby. And it's not because he's this gigantic surprise, but he was a positive addition to this club in a lot of ways. Uh, a, a lot of times you take a guy 20th overall in the draft, and he's just not that good. The Wolves look like they have hit somebody here with Josh Okoge. They, they they made a hit. They did not miss on this trick, on this pick, the, the 20th pick in the draft, 2018. Josh Okoge brings that tenacious defense, and I think that shot's going to improve. I think he could get a bit of a catch-and-shoot three. And if he does, he could be that 3-and-D guy like a Robert Covington. He could be a second Covington, and it doesn't get much better than that because we love Robert Covington in this town. Um, Robert Covington is a high IQ player, and I think he's going to help Andrew Wiggins as well. And, of course, some decent assistant coaches working with Andrew Wiggins, along with the young man, Ryan Saunders, leading the way. Those are your awards and demerits for the season. MVP Carl Anthony Towns yet again. Andrew Wiggins yet again, disappointment. Back-to-back years. Josh Okogie, biggest surprise. What a wonderful rookie addition he was to this roster. With that said, we will take a quick break and hop into segment number 1.5. And then, and then we'll get into segment 2 with the drafted free agency. Oh, Canada, we stand on guard for thee. Hello and welcome to the third annual segment 1.5 here on State of the Timberwolves 2019. We're going to look at the postseason only in this segment. Only the postseason in this segment. The rest of it's only Wolves. So, yeah, well, except free agency. Who knows where we'll go with that. But, uh, well, Eastern Conference was what it was. The Milwaukee Bucks pounded the Celtics four games to one. Toronto Raptors, you had the miracle shot from Kawhi Leonard. As that series was back and forth, back and forth. The Game 7 was epic. It was a beautiful series. The Eastern Conference is in good hands right now. you got Toronto. you got Philadelphia. you got Jimmy Butler opting for free agency at this point, turning down the $19 million. Hopefully Jeff Teague does that, but yeah, he's not going to do that, is he? But uh, he's opting for free agency. But, uh, I mean, the Eastern Conference is in good hands. you got the, the Milwaukee Bucks. you got the Toronto Raptors. Hint, hint. And the... Uh, Philadelphia 76ers, you have the miracle shot from Kawhi Leonard from the baseline. It bounces off the rim and in, and the Toronto Raptors advance. Uh, Joel Embiid getting pretty emotional, sad, kind of almost crying after all the, the bleep he was talking, this and that. There's a guy during this postseason that annoyed a lot of people. Yeah, I don't even want to say his name, but uh, he got a little bit too much coverage. Luckily, they kind of shied away from that during the uh, NBA Finals as uh, 
That would be Drake, of course. Uh, I've never been a rap fan. I never will be. So any of you trying to tell me to get into it, it's not going to happen. Especially at almost 40 years old now. I'm not going to change that. not going to change my music interests at this stage. Um, and it's nothing like I just hate everything anybody else likes. It's I'm not interested. Uh, secondly, why would you give this guy free plugs as much as you did? Because that's basically what they were doing. So that was kind of stupid. Luckily, that did die down into the finals. The Western Conference, well, it got kind of lame. Uh, the Portland series between Denver was absolutely epic. It was beautiful. I loved it. That was the most fun series of the postseason, I'd have to say. I, I, I think it was. It's just unfortunate. You just know they're just sacrificial lambs for you-know-who in the next round. I was hoping Denver could get past the Portland Trailblazers and put up a, a bit of a fight versus the Golden State Warriors, beat them up a little bit before they play the Milwaukee Bucks in the finals. Yeah, the Milwaukee Bucks in the finals. <clears throat> well, it looked like it was going to happen that way, but yeah, Toronto, the Toronto Raptors did a lot of the things the St. Louis Blues did in the NHL this year, and it's pretty cool seeing both of those teams accomplish what they did. But no, Portland was able to squeeze past Denver in the seventh game on the road. Extremely impressive win. And then we're literally sacrificial lambs versus a Golden State Warriors team that didn't even have Kevin Durant. And we'll talk about Kevin Durant some more here for obvious reasons. And and Clay Thompson, who'd be banged up, and then, well, the ultimate banged up, basically, at the very end there in game number uh, six. Whew. But uh, yes, uh, Golden State was able to get past Houston. Houston could not get the job done, even with Kevin Durant having a calf injury, which, again, is very questionable considering it lasted a month. Calf injuries don't last a month unless there's maybe a torn muscle in the calf. I'm beginning to think there might have been a partially, partially torn tendon somewhere down there. We'll talk about that soon. I think there might have been something going on, like microscopic tears, nudge, nudge. Hopefully it hurries up and heals because it's just microscopic. It should heal in a month or something, hopefully. Right? Hopefully just in time for the Golden State Warriors to try to like bail themselves out of this sinking ship that's happening all of a sudden for the not-so- uh, a team I don't feel any sympathy for. I'm sure most of you don't. But the Warriors, again, made the Portland Trailblazers look like they don't even belong there. Kind of like what the Lakers did. Actually, the Spurs and then the Lakers. No, the Spurs. The Lakers and Portland series was a very good series until the second half of Game 7 there, the, the fourth quarter anyway. Um, that was a great series in 20, 2000. There was a 20 0 2000. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever said that, 20 0 Wow, that was really dumb. That was dumb. But uh, no, the Spurs swept up the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Golden State Warriors swept the Portland Trailblazers. It was lame. It was just like, yeah, Golden State's in the finals, but hopefully Toronto or Milwaukee will take care of things. Probably Milwaukee. They're killing Toronto. They're up two games to zero. Whatever. And then Drake started getting into Budelzer's head. He started getting into uh, Mr. Giannis's head. The Greek freak. Milwaukee, though, kicking butt, especially game two, 125-103. Whatever. Toronto's nothing. And then Toronto was something. And Toronto kept being something. And Kawhi started waking up, and Toronto was a 58-win team this year. The same amount of wins the Minnesota Timberwolves had in 2003-2004, which I, to this day, say the, Tr- the Timberwolves should be NBA champions that year. Bleeping Sam Cassell wasn't hurt, because I think the Timberwolves would have beaten the Pistons in six or seven games. It would have been a nice series, but I think the Timberwolves could have beaten them. Timberwolves played very well against that team that year. I think the Wolves would have beaten the Pistons. <sighs> 58. Whenever I look at 58 and 24, I just want to cry because that was us. God dang it. Will we ever be that good again? Milwaukee Bucks, the only 60-win team this season. The good news, both Toronto and Milwaukee would have home court advantage in the NBA Finals, which would prove valuable. Very valuable, despite the fact Toronto didn't 
need home court advantage as much as we thought. This team knows how to win at home and on the road, and uh, great effort by this team, great defense, and some nice three-point shooting, and some unlikely heroes. A group of players that a lot of us hadn't really heard of, especially Fred Van Vliet. Van Vliet. Vliet. Isn't that an interesting guy as he continued to get better and better and better and better during this postseason? Champions are won oftentimes when guys like that emerge, just like in the Stanley Cup playoffs, Stanley Cup finals. Third and fourth line players end up emerging as heroes. Now, they don't end up getting the MVP like the Conn Smythe Trophy or in the NBA now, the, uh, <laughs> the Bill Russell Award. Now he's getting older and older. Oh, I, 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 love, I love Bill Russell. I wish he could live forever. Oh, man, he's, he's got a great personality. It sucks seeing him get so old. And apparently it was the 50th anniversary when the uh, Toronto Raptors hoisted up, his, uh, hoisted up the Larry O'Brien Trophy and ultimately the uh, Bill Russell Award going to Kawhi Leonard. Kind of getting ahead of here just a little bit, but it doesn't matter. You know what happened. If you watch basketball and you're listening to this podcast, you know who won the NBA Finals, okay? You know it's old Canada, right? That's why we sang that in the uh, little fun segment there, the middle mini tiny segment, which this also is. But Toronto just took care of things versus the Milwaukee Bucks time and time and time again, four games in a row. And it's like, my God, Toronto's finally in the finals. All those years, I thought it was going to be Toronto versus Houston. I thought it was going to be Toronto versus the Warriors a couple years earlier. Um, I, I mean, Toronto had chances to get to the finals. The last three seasons, Dwayne Casey gets let go. The Raptors get aggressive, and they say, you know what? Kawhi Leonard was unhappy in San Antonio, and he was injured, and then he was you know, unhappy with how things were going with that. Like, they're trying to push him back, and maybe that's what happened with Kevin Durant. I don't know. We'll find out. Probably as the offseason continues, it's going to be very, very interesting, as we all know what happened to Kevin Durant. We all know what happened to Kevin Durant. Um, and we all know how a lot of injuries can kind of work together. They easily can. Like my knee, which had a very painful bursitis, my right knee. My left knee still hurting a year later. Last year, the bursitis started developing when I was recording this show. Yes, Timberwolves, say to the Timberwolves 2018. This show, it started developing. It was something I was doing at work incorrectly, and then, of course, sitting and doing the show for a long period of time. As I did the whole show at once last year, this year I'm piecing it together, which is a better, easier way to do it. But last year I was uh, out of time. I had to get going because of the move and all that crap. But um, overcompensation, one way or another, if it's a different part of the leg or the other leg completely, overcompensation, it may have turned out that way with Kevin Durant because it was the same calf. But I'm beginning to think it might have been the Achilles all along. It just wasn't torn-torn. It was partially torn. It was strained. It was sprained. It was something. Something wasn't right with that Achilles tendon because calf injuries usually don't take a month. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But it seems very suspicious to me. But one way or another, possibly overcompensation for that calf because calf injuries are kind of weird. So there I go getting way ahead of myself. I apologize. We'll get back to that. Um, a guy emerged, and I say his name incorrectly in a couple minutes here, which I apologize as I'm recording this kind of in pieces here. Siakam. I don't know why I said Siakam, but Siakam. And I knew it was Siakam, but it just came out wrong because I'm stupid. And, well, he was a relative unknown before this season, and he has really emerged as a really a nice player. And, of course, a lot of people comparing him to uh, the young man from France uh, going into the, uh, who also, I believe, is from Cameroon. Yeah, both of them from Cameroon. Uh, but from France, uh, Dumboya going into the draft. It could be a Timberwolves possibility. Um, we'll talk, uh, I'll, you'll, you'll hear about where I where I go and the hopes I'm, I'm leaning towards, which could be reaching. 
and I don't mean reaching in a reaching down like picking somebody from who should have been way below us, but somebody who probably is going to go a little higher, just hoping somehow, some way, or maybe the Wolves trade up and get him, which Gerson Rosas has mentioned could happen. But uh, Siakam, wonderful addition to this team, uh, wonderful addition to this postseason as he emerged. He wasn't really in this type of role as he was last year. Fred Van, Van Fleet was a big deal as well, but a uh, wonderful overall job by the Toronto Raptors. As we will head into the NBA Finals now, which is where it all really matters at the end of the day. A lot of people out there are going to talk about how Golden State was so banged up and so hurt, so that's the only reason Toronto won. And you know what? I can kind of hear that when you're talking about Kevin Durant, because to be quite honest, Kevin Durant made this team pretty much unbeatable the last two and a half years. I say two and a half because the third year didn't happen. And sometimes at the bottom line, the end of the at the end of the day, all of you saying that the only reason Toronto won and it's all bogus and it's BS is because everybody was hurt on Golden State. Were people saying that about the Detroit Pistons in 88-89? Uh, because Magic Johnson and Byron Scott had torn uh, <laughs> they had torn hamstrings. It started with Byron Scott and ultimately Magic Johnson, and that's why Pat Riley was actually fired from the Lakers. He was overworking the guys, and i got to think Magic Johnson had a little bit of say on that. So, I mean, because Magic Johnson got multiple coaches fired into his career. Um, but you didn't hear people saying that oh, the only reason why the Pistons won is because of frickin' Magic and uh, and uh, uh, very healthy, talented, young Byron Scott had a torn hamstring. They were both out. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was, eh, was over. He was like 42 and he was just ancient history. It'd be like having Dirk out there at this point. You know, it's just, well, you know, great player, great history, but... He's not that good anymore. I mean, hello, and that's kind of was the case with uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar out there on an island with James Worthy getting walloped by the Detroit Pistons in 1989. Um, you didn't hear about that, but sometimes it's just not your year. I mean, it's just not your year. Call it luck, call it bad luck, call it BS, call it just, you know, call it just complete crap, like Toronto just won only because of that, and yes, it helped. But sometimes it's just not your year, you know? How many times have you seen guys get hurt? Zach Levine got hurt. Did people say, ah, oh, you know, you know, the Wolves could have, you know. No, people get hurt, and it happens. It's not fun. It's not something you cheer for. Heck, DeMarcus Cousins had an injury that looked super serious, and it was, but he ended up coming back. So at least he came back. Though, unfortunately, he would get like 19,000 fouls called on him because he's just too much. He's too aggressive. Uh, and, and Draymond Green is way too much all the time. He's just a nut job, even though he's got a little bit of a, on the positive side, he's got some Rodman in him. He's a hell of a player. Uh, really a good, uh, awesome game six for him. 11 points, 19, uh, 13 assists, 19 rebounds. What an awesome game six it was. Siakam was great. Lowry made up for an awful, 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 awful game six. But then, see, Kevin Durant being out, the whole series did not help. Toronto took advantage, beat them up. Uh, Clay Thompson got banged up here and there. <sighs> and then I just saw what happened to Clay Thompson again. Coming down after the uh, foul or, you know, the aggressive play to the basket. <sighs> yeah, that did not look good. And Curry's basically slamming the ball down like, you've got to be kidding me, you know. <sighs> That's painful. And there he's walking like, yeah, and that was the amazing part. Clay Thompson's walking out there like, oh, I'm cool. Let's go. I'm good. I'm going to play. I think, yeah, Zach Levine did that. And he, isn't that just crazy? I can't even believe what I saw there. <laughs> it, it, wasn't that amazing? I mean, and it's like, no, no, go to the locker room, man. This is not good. And, yeah, I mean, I'm not rooting for people to get hurt. I hate the Golden State Warriors. 
but I'm not rejoicing in these injuries. And, well, with the way things are going now with these injuries, Kevin Durant, of course, again in game number six, he comes back, or game number five, excuse me, he comes back after the uh, Toronto Raptors had been basically whooping on the Warriors after blowing game number two, which Toronto easily should have won that one as well, but they just couldn't finish. They go up three games to one. Game five rolls around and all that. You all saw it. What an awesome back-and-forth game, but it looked like Toronto was going to pull away after Golden State was putting up a great effort, and of course, early on, things looked awesome for Golden State as the guy that makes them basically unbeatable comes back. That's Kevin Durant for 11 minutes, and he was scorching the net. He was doing a hell of a job, and then all of a sudden you see that calf wiggle, and down he goes, and down goes Durant. And, well, that that's a tell. I mean, if the... There's a certain tendon that holds all that together, and that's the Achilles. And, well, Achilles tendons are six to nine month recoveries, which tells you what are six to nine months from now. Kevin Durant, even if he does resign with the Golden State Warriors, or, or let's just say opts in with the Golden State Warriors, then, well, if he opts in and hangs around with the Warriors for one more year and then goes into free agency next year, well, they got to pay him that $30 million to just recover because he will not play a game for the Warriors next year. Uh, Clay Thompson might come back by Valentine's Day if he's lucky. Valentine's Day, and which would be a boost, but odds are very strong that the uh, Golden State Warriors will not be in the finals next year. Uh, five straight finals is a, an amazing accomplishment. It hasn't been done in 50 years. The city of Toronto would end up getting their first championship since 1993 and all that, which is pretty cool. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays winning back-to-back World Series. And then ultimately the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs hadn't won a Stanley Cup since uh, <laughs> since the early days of uh, LBJ. And we're not talking about LeBron James. We're talking about Lyndon Baines Johnson. You know, the early days of Lyndon Johnson, just after Kennedy there. Uh, poor guy, Kennedy, of course. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs hadn't won a Stanley Cup, even though they're still, they still have the second most Stanley Cups of all time, which is nuts. So the city of Toronto has had championships. It's just been a long time. Um and obviously none for basketball. And this is the newest NBA team to win a championship. 1995 is when they came on the court with the Vancouver Grizzlies. I still remember that very well. The Toronto Raptors with very different uniforms. Um, Marcus Camby would end up wearing those because Marcus Camby's pretty old. I went back to the late 90s there uh, wearing those original jerseys, which were kind of cool. Um, lots of nice history with Toronto, but like you'll hear later on, Kawhi Leonard has become my favorite player. And he kind of already was. Because you could hear me just praising him up and down the last, uh, like two years ago before, you know, when when things were great and he was in the running for the MVP with the Spurs. I was hoping the Spurs could knock out the Warriors that year, but it just didn't happen. It just wasn't in the cards. But this year, it just wasn't in the cards for the Warriors. Uh, Clay Thompson, again, ACL injury coming down after getting fouled, going to the basket. Very similar to the Zach Levine ACL, coming down after getting kind of fouled, and then the knee just went whoop. It's very sad, very painful. I like Clay Thompson as a player. I didn't like his attitude all too much when he got, uh, you know, when he wasn't named to an all-NBA all team. Didn't like his attitude all too much. It, it, just, you know, you went to five straight finals, but that doesn't guarantee you anything. Doesn't It doesn't, you know. Doesn't mean you all should get on the all-NBA award. Yes, it's frustrating and annoying, and I feel bad for Carl Anthony Towns. Same situation there. But um, at the end of the day, 
very sad for the Warriors when you think about how uh, the injuries happened. And again, sometimes it's just not your year, and sometimes it's over. It's just over, and there's nothing you can do about it. Like the Lakers run ended. You know, guys got hurt, guys got old, guys got this, guys got that. And uh, odds are that Kevin Durant will never play another game for the Warriors again. But maybe he will. Um, Who knows? Because when Kevin Durant was healthy for the Golden State Warriors, they were the most unbeatable team in the NBA. They looked like there was a chance somebody would beat them this year. I know they probably would have won it if Kevin Durant was 100% healthy throughout the the postseason and all that, and they might have beaten Toronto. But you can't discount the effort Toronto did give defensively, and they did hit their threes, and Fred Van Vliet was beautiful in that final game, as was uh, Siakam. And... It looked like the Raptors were going to pull away and win it at, at home, just like the St. Louis Blues. You hoped they were going to win the Cup at home in Game 6. But Toronto at home in Game 5, they started pulling away. And, of course, Kevin Durant had already, you know, the fate had already been sealed for the poor guy. Um, Ka- Kawhi Leonard hits a few threes in a row, 10 points in a row on his own completely. Like, puts the Raptors on a 10-0 run on his own. Beautiful. And then it's like they got like, and then it's like a noose thrown around their neck. It was just ridiculous. You should have heard me screaming and cursing. I was watching it in the car because I was, well, you know, getting off work and keeping up with it and all that. And I had to watch other parts of the game when I got home. But uh, the, the important parts, like the second half of the game, in the car going home and busy, you know, waiting in line for this, waiting in line for that, and watching it the whole time, screaming and cursing when I got in the car as Toronto basically did a 2009 Brett Favre, like about 15 times. Um, Leonard and the uh, Raptors up by six with a lot of time, or I mean with a lot of time left on the shot clock and like a minute and a half of the game time. You think they should get this if Leonard is just patient. Instead, he does some wild Andrew Wiggins, worse than Andrew Wiggins, like turnaround shot that resulted in an air ball with like 15 seconds left on the shot clock. What the hell was that? And I was thinking that was dumb. You're up by six. Use the clock a bit and take a smart shot and go up by eight and wrap this mother up. Please. Then Kyle Lowry comes down. He's dribbling around. He has a lane to the basket with five seconds remaining. He opts not to go to the basket to put the Raptors up by five because Clay Bleep and Thompson had hit a three-pointer. And Kyle Lowry. Just like, I don't know what the hell he's doing. He tries to wing it back up to the top of the key. I figured if it was to Kawhi Leonard or to like Siakam uh, or something, it might have even been uh, Paul Gust- uh, excuse me, Marcus. All who I'm really happy for here, and the ball's just thrown horribly, and it goes into the backcourt, and the shot clock runs out, and it's a backcourt, and what the flip was that crap? And it, things just kept getting worse and worse, and Clay hit another three, and Curry did this, and Clay did that, and it was mostly Clay though. <clears throat> Made me sick ties the game up, and then ultimately the, the Warriors end up winning by one. The But the Raptors still had 15 seconds to get a shot up, and it was just a horse bleep. You, you end up going to Kyle Lowry way off, like, draped with two guys draped over him, but in front of the bench there. And that ball never even touched the rim, of course. Yes, Mr. Uh, Draymond Green did get a piece of it. But the finish of that game set me afire. I was, I was absolutely freaking pissed. I was screaming. I was cursing. I was me- I was messaging uh, Vince Germano. He probably thinks I'm nuts. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he's thought I'm nuts many times. Of course, you'll hear Vince Germano's name many times on the show with the Courtside Podcast along with Wayne Hunt and Stu Benson. But yeah, Vince Germano, contact him the most out of the group. I mean, yeah, we talk quite a bit. 
and I, I, I think he's nuts. Or I mean, I think he believes I'm absolutely nuts because I was just livid. I was losing it. And he said, Joey, it's going to be okay. Toronto's going to win. And, well, they did. <laughs> they did. <coughs> and it's not even how much I hate the Warriors. It's, I couldn't get over the way Toronto flat out choked that out. And I was thinking, you know what? They're, they're going to blow this whole series, aren't they? And Golden State's going to get, get redemption for the 3-1. to one. And then the news breaks at about 1 in the morning when I'm still kind of flipping out and losing my mind. And, uh, well, Kevin Durant has an Achilles. And it's like, oh, shoot. I should have known better. It, that was an Achilles. You know, that's the only thing it could have been. It's like it was obvious. And, yeah. And then next thing you know, Clay Thompson, after having an amazing game six in the fourth quarter, goes down with an ACL. Despite uh, the fact he looked like he was going to go right back in like Zach Levine did that, too. He shot his free throws. He was almost exactly like Zach Levine uh, before the poor guy got traded in the summer. Uh, fascinating uh, attempt to come back and get things going for uh, Clay Thompson. And all credit to him. God bless him, and man, you know, God bless Clay Thompson, and you know what, you know, and Curry, God bless him for going up to uh, the old legend, Mr. Bill Russell, that was pretty cool, we came up to him, and Curry, the reason why he was hanging his head was not because they lost the series, but because I think he knows that it's, it's over, um, and the odds of Clay Thompson coming back next year, it's all kind of up in the air. That's uncertain. But again, the earliest he could come back is around Valentine's Day. Sure, you could still make a run at that point, but what's your record going to be? Um, DeMarcus Cousins will probably stay. That's my guess because things, you know, he did a good job there and his role will be a bit bigger, I got to think, going into next year. Dalla, amazing effort in game six of 22 points despite, I think, he's at the end of his road. But, I mean, nothing lasts forever. And, of course... One way or another, Kevin Durant will not play for the Warriors next year. And he may never again. So it, it's sad to see it end that way. I'd rather see them get beat than get hurt. But it is what it is. It's not your year one way or another. You either get beat or you get hurt or, well, or you win. And, well, it wasn't you win this time. It was you got hurt and you lost. So it was kind of a bit of both. Toronto did do a good job, though. I don't want to diminish their effort and how well they performed during the postseason. They did a beautiful job. They won all three road games in the series. That is remarkable. I mean, that right there, you know, that is remarkable. And don't forget, that team, without Kevin Durant, won 73 games three years ago. So don't forget. And LeBron beat them on the road in Game 7. So, you know, it's just it's a different generation. Game 7s aren't as immortal as they once were in the past for the home team. They, they just aren't. It's a different generation. There's mental toughness for the road teams and less mental toughness for the home teams. It's kind of weird. So I, I, there, there's definitely an underdog vibe in every sport nowadays than there was in the old days. Uh, so that's good in a way. I appreciate that. It was a wonderful series and a great job by Toronto. And again, I'm not sympathizing that Golden State lost. I'm just sympathizing with the individual players that, uh, well, there's a lot of uncertainty going into free agency. And we'll continue talking about that in the next major segment coming up here as, boy, what a bleeping shame. For uh, Kevin Durant, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, talk was he's going to go to the New York Knicks. What's going to happen? Uh, it sounds like the New York Knicks will be willing to give him 30, whatever whatever the money it's going to take to get him, regardless if they have to wait a calendar year to have him play. Um, because Achilles tendons aren't a joke. Maybe Kevin Durant comes back faster, but I don't think after what just happened, he's in, a, he's in the mood to come back faster. Um, he's in the mood to get it healthy, healthy. And hopefully, like... He's like his. See, it's not only the recovery; it's the rehab after that that counts. 
See, it's probably going to be fully healed way before a calendar year. But there's a lot of conditioning that has to come with it. If you go out there and you're not conditioned, something else could happen. Maybe he'll have a torn calf. Maybe he'll have a torn hamstring. Maybe he'll have an ACL if you're not conditioned properly because you're not going to be conditioned properly when you're, when you're literally having to recover, sit down and let your Achilles heal because you're not going to be going for a jog, going for a stroll every day with an Achilles tendon recovering. So that's the, that's the case with Kevin Durant going into the offseason. It's too bad that that ended up being the main story here other than uh, Toronto, Ontario hoisting their first NBA championship. But <clears throat> it's a big story regardless. I'm very happy for Toronto. I love Kawhi Leonard. I love what he did. I hated the way he played in the last couple seconds in game, oh, last minute and a half in Game 5. I hated the way that whole team played. It wasn't Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard necessarily. It was all of them. It's like they just choked and got nervous. But luckily, they realized, hey, we're the best road team in the league right now. And, you know, this team is beatable. Even though Kevin Durant is, like, the best player basically right now other than... Uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard, I think, is number three behind... Uh, well, I think he's number two. I think LeBron is number three now, honestly. Kevin Durant's probably the best player in the league when healthy at this stage. I think LeBron's dropped off a tiny bit. He's getting older, and he's more injury-prone than before. And Kawhi Leonard is right there in that big three, I'd have to say, at the end of the day. Then you go to the Joel Embiid, you go to this, you go to that. But um, it's going to be interesting. And, of course, the Greek freak. Uh, it looks like... As long as Kevin Durant comes back healthy, it's going to be like the freak Leonard, uh, the freak Kawhi Leonard, guys like that, uh, Kevin Durant and LeBron, in whatever order you prefer at the end of the day. Awesome series by Toronto. Well played. Well played without a doubt. Um, feel bad for Dwayne Casey. Uh, Toronto kind of had a bit of that Dwayne Casey defense. Nick Nurse had some weird timeouts in that fifth game, kind of slowing down runs, but guys were winded, this and that. And luckily Nick Nurse was able to get his team in uh, position to win the NBA title in Golden State in game number six. Golden State Oracle Arena as we wave goodbye to the oldest arena in the National Basketball Association. God bless Oracle Arena, which goes back to the old, old days of Rick Barry and such. Pretty, pretty damn cool. Chris Mullen, Tim Hardaway, Latrell Sprewell, we could go on forever. Billy Owens, I mean, it's uh, an amazing run for the Golden State Warriors in Oracle Arena. And it's just the end of an era, I guess. Uh, Oracle, uh, definitely a successful business, a nice stock about 10 years ago. You could have made a lot of money on 10, 15 years ago as it just kept climbing and climbing. So with that, we will end segment 1.5 with a congratulations to Toronto and uh, get well soon to Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. are back here on Timberwolves Explosion segment number two if you can call it that now <laughs> after segment 1.5 we are going to look at the NBA draft for 2019 and the free agency period I'm not sure how active we're going to be able to be because of the salary situation but hey we always got the uh, salary cap exception so there's ways to maneuver around things and a guy that will be a part of the future is a man by the name of Sachin Gut. Gupta, <laughs> I believe, of Indian descent, that would make sense, uh, joining the Minnesota Timberwolves as Vice President of Basketball Operations. So there's Gerzan Rosas, his right-hand man, coming on board. So Scott Layden drops down a little more. Good thing Scott Layden, though, definitely a team player, and well, he's still getting paid over $2 million a year. So 
It's a good deal. Um, Tim Rules, welcome in. Sachin Gutma, uh, Gupta, pardon me, <laughs> because I'm used to a guy named Gutma a, a year ago, so it's similar. Um, I believe, actually, he was from Ethiopia in that case. So, yeah, uh, at the end of the day, the Minnesota Timberwolves, very happy to have him on board, though, as this man actually invented the uh, ESPN trade machine. What do you think of that? Pretty cool. Uh, he was assistant general manager of the Detroit Pistons most recently after the uh, Pistons revamped the front office under Stan Van Gundy. He spent time with the Houston Rockets. Hmm. Special advisor to... Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey, pardon me. Hmm, can't imagine where that connection may have come from. Hmm. No. <laughs> Gupta also spent time with the Philadelphia 76ers. He worked away with the Boston Celtics as well. Worked from the, yeah, with the Boston Celtics. Again, the NBA trade machine. Pretty cool invention. Going to be very, very interesting to see how things go. Some of this information, uh, courtesy of Canis Hoopus. Thank you for passing on that story, Canis Hoopus. Very cool indeed. Uh, so that's the major addition since segment number one, basically. Kind of just, you know, how things just kind of break as you move along. So it just kind of is what it is. Nice to have him on board. Of course, conversations about Ryan, uh, Ryan Saunders as the head coach of the Timberwolves as well. Uh, very happy to have him on board long term as the head coach of the team. Well, there's no doubt about that. Gerson Rosas and Ryan Saunders will definitely be working together long term. I do have to mention that, uh, well, the press conference was much better with Brian Saunders. It was a classic, standard press conference where you talk to the media, the media talks to you, the media asks the questions. So Ethan Kaysen finally, uh, well, Ethan Kaysen, after that first press conference with Gerson Rosas, uh, coming back with a more traditional press conference. So I really appreciate that, as I kind of got ticked off about it on the last episode of Timberwolves Explosion, leading into this one. Uh, Ryan Saunders said, Ryan Saunders and Gerson Rosas, basically, especially Rosas, to be, to be quite honest, was talking about how, well, you need to be top five in both categories to be a championship contender, top ten in both categories to be a playoff contender, like be at least a threat in the playoffs. Uh, so defense is definitely something they will address with switching and double switching schemes along with personnel in the summer. That was actually Ryan Saunders who made that quote, uh, especially the three-point defense, which has killed the team forever, going back to at least Kurt Rambis's days, if not further, but Kurt Rambis most uh, recently, gosh, that's already 10 years ago, all that hell and damnation we had from three-point range, and it really hasn't gotten a whole lot better with a couple of instances in the Sam Mitchell and Tom Thibodeau era. There was a little bit better defense, I thought, during those eras, uh, on occasion. On occasion, but generally speaking, major frustration in the Tom Thibodeau era defensively as well. Oh, Lord. But, well, we get an idea of the direction. You got your number one guy, your number two guy, your head coach. So the collaboration continues. The uh, assistant coaches at this moment, as I'm recording segment number two, have not been named. But there have been, you know, there have been possibilities brought up. Uh, hopefully, uh, Jerry Seasting will stay on board. We'll see. Uh, Sidney Lowe this time will not be coming back, as we thought Sidney Lowe might come back for his sixth stint with the Timberwolves coaching staff. Isn't that insane? And, of course, he was a uh, point guard, back a point guard with the club. His actually final year in the NBA back in 89-90. Love Sidney Lowe. What a class act. Uh, he was on uh, the Darren Doogie Wolfson uh, Scoop podcast out there, which always is worth a listen. Um, what a class act. I met him years ago as a season ticket holder. signed an autograph for me. Just, just a calm nice, friendly man. And of course, he was the head coach of the Timberwolves in the early to mid-90s before being replaced by Bill Blair, who who, uh, not long after that was replaced by Mr. Uh, Flip Saunders. So that's how things go there. That was on the Glenn Taylor hire when uh, Bill Blair took over as head coach. 
different group of players. So let's look at the draft. Let's look at the future. Oh my, mm, the draft prospects. Well, I have nine of them that I really kind of looked at at this point. I mean, because well, guys that could be there at 11, hopefully some that probably won't. I didn't even look at Garland, you know, I mean, because gosh, I mean, he has a chance to be great, I think, and I'd love him to be on the Wolves. There was mock drafts not too long ago that actually had Garland coming to the Timberwolves, you know, obviously recovering from injury. It was a meniscus, not an ACL. Uh, At the end of the day, oh man, that guy has a chance to be a pretty good player in this league, but I'm not even going to really mention him because he's going to go earlier. That'd be Darius Garland, possibly to Cleveland, to Phoenix. Now they're looking Kobe White to Phoenix, which is very disappointing. Uh, There was a long time where Kobe White was floating around at 10-11. Now they have him all the way up in the 5-6-7 range at Jared Culver, that's another player that I'm probably not going to really get into, but I will talk about Kobe White because who knows, possibly, even though it's probably a uh, pipe dream now because I think these guys might have saw what I saw. Uh, as for Kobe White out of North Carolina, a guard, of course, who's a point guard. He's always moving, incredible release on the catch-and-shoot threes. I mean, I he has the fastest release of all the guys I researched, that's for damn sure. He gets rid of the ball remarkably fast one way or the other in terms of shooting the ball or dishing it to a teammate. Um, I'm ready to give a crazy comparison. I told Vince Germano about this. He's the only person I really brought this up with. But he reminds me of Steph Curry a bit, the way he's all over the place and fearless with the ball. In terms of, again, he just moves around, and the way he releases the ball, it it looks like Steph Curry. It, It does. And just the fluency of that shot, the excellence of it. I mean, I think there's a little something there with Kobe White. I don't think he's the next Steph Curry necessarily, but... He has a chance to be extremely good, though. I have a feeling. Could be a Damian Lillard, possibly. I'm, that might be a bit up there. The Usually the guys that are, have con- been comparing somebody to Damian Lillard, that would be uh, Darius Garland, actually. That's where you hear the Damian Lillard comparisons. Kobe White's a little taller, six foot five. Definitely has a future in the league as a point guard or as a shooting guard, depending on the offense, depending on the, the, the personnel that is around him. But uh, a lot of people saw Steph Curry as a possible shooting guard because, well, I mean, I don't know, because, well, he's more of a scorer than anything else, even though he gets assists because his shot is so damn dangerous and he creates space and blah, blah, blah. And that's about the amount of accolades I'm going to give him because I can't stand the guy. But I suppose if he was on the Timberwolves, I'd be happy and I wouldn't be so critical. But I don't know. I can't stand him. But <laughs> maybe because they win and, I, and the way they win, ungracefully, very often, it's annoying to watch. But it is what it is. There we go. There's my side jab of the day. But Kobe White absolutely has a chance to be something special in the league, I think. I think he does. Uh, Jared Culver, obviously, as well. Darius Garland. Man, I wish. I wish. But I don't know. They're not going to let uh, they're not going to let a meniscus tear in college. Uh, have him slide all the way up into the tens, elevens, and so unfortunately for Minnesota Timberwolves fans, we're probably not going to see Darius Garland uh, in a Timberwolves jersey. But that would probably be my guy if I was to literally look at all the players here that were floating around. That would be my guy, and I'm having a hard time with this group. They're not bad players. They're all good. That's the thing. They're all good, but none of them are like jumping out at me. Other than I guess Kobe White, and now I don't think he's going to be there, and that sucks because I would have endorsed him right here with the stamp. The gavel, I don't think it's going to happen, though. But uh, we'll, we'll see. Brandon Clark, a lot of guys, a lot of the experts have been saying he's the perfect fit to complement Towns. They're saying he's the perfect fit for the Minnesota Timberwolves right now. But he's six foot eight and 207, 208. Six foot eight and six and 207, 208, and they're calling him a power forward? Well, he was a power forward for Gonzaga. He's also one of the oldest players in the draft. Uh, he's a shot-blocking force. Absolutely a shot-blocking force, but power forward at that size? I mean, maybe a Josh Smith, but Josh Smith was bigger than this guy. 
But I'm just saying, you know, a smaller guy who can block shots like crazy. Um, you know, not really true power forward size. But again, Josh Smith is bigger than this guy. Uh, I don't think he's a power forward. I see that as very unlikely. Um, wonderful defender with upside, but his size scares me. It really does. So we'll see. Um, maybe he will wind up here. Mock drafts have him slipping all the way down to 23rd, at least NBADraft.net at this moment, who had the Wolves taken him at some point. They had the Wolves taking uh, they had the Wolves taking Kobe White, Darius Garland, blah, 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 but it's changed so dramatically as White and Garland have soared. And Mr. Uh, Clark has dropped dramatically all the way down to 23rd to the Utah Jazz. So power forward center my ass. How, how can they even say that? 6'8", 210, center? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. There's other players that are the same weight and even taller, or much taller, that I'm just blown away by their awkward size. We'll get to him very soon. I think you can kind of guess the awkward guy that's coming up. He's number four here on the list, and not on my personal list. Uh, but uh, I would have led things off with uh, Kobe White if guy's available, but he's probably not going to be. A guy that I think will be a plug-and-play in this league is Rui Hachimura, forward out of Gonzaga, kind of like, as I say, forward, kind of a tweener, which can drive you absolutely crazy. You don't want to talk about tweeners all that often because tweeners are guys like Ryan Gomes and and Derek Williams. I don't want to remember that crap. I hate tweeners. Damn it. So that's the one thing that scares me a little bit, but we'll see. Six foot eight, two thirty five. I think he's more of a legitimate like tweener in terms of he could actually be a power forward. He could actually play both type of thing. He does play a physical, strong game. Six foot eight is Rui Hachimura. Hachimura, he is from Japan, yes. Uh, he is from Japan. Uh, he's a black Japanese man, <laughs> young man, out of, uh, yeah, pretty cool there. Uh, he's not afraid of contact. He will take it to the rack with authority. Good shot blocker off the weak side. Uh, very good defender. He is a very good defender, and I think he'd been in nicely with the Timberwolves as well. There have been rumors that the Timberwolves made a draft promise to him that if he's there at 11, he's a Timberwolf. Uh, you know, I don't think... That's true, but who knows? I don't think that would be wise as an organization because who's gonna, who else is going to be there? And what if somebody else jumps up? Because it's, you know, I mean, when you heard these rumors, it was May still. And you're moving forward into June now. And it's like, well, you, uh, you can't be making promises. So I'm guessing that's a bunch of nonsense. Um, no, but a good shot blocker off the weak, weak side, pardon me. He has a nice outside shot as well. He does. Uh, he's very good in the leadership department. He provided that for a good Gonzaga team that got all the way to the final game versus North Carolina in 2018. Don't like Gonzaga. I don't like North Carolina, so I didn't enjoy that game very much, but I watched it, and North Carolina won. I'd rather see Gonzaga win than North Carolina. I'm tired of North Carolina. Um, Dean Smith is long gone, unfortunately. That's when it was more of a... I mean, I don't know. That's why I like North Carolina more. Uh, he could be a good choice at 11. He could, um, depending on who's there. Should translate well to the NBA. I think he's more of a plug-and-play type of guy. Um, I think he'll translate very well to the NBA. Uh, you know how, again, how Josh Akogi, he translated pretty well to the NBA, even though you might have thought he's kind of, you know, a little awkward offensively, this and that. But, again, he went, he translated right to the league. He did, despite the fact he's super-duper young and, and raw offensively. And a lot of people hadn't really heard of him. And I remember when I sat down and watched him, analyzed him, and I'm like, I like this kid quite a bit. And that was, of course, before the draft. I didn't endorse him as the pick. I don't even remember who I did endorse last year. I'm almost blanking on that one now. Um, but very intriguing pick was Josh Akogi a year ago. And I think Hachimura would fit in nicely with this team. I think he certainly wouldn't start right away. Uh, 
I think he's undersized for to be a starting power forward in the league. That's the one thing that bugs me a little bit. But I like his strength and his aggressiveness more than I like uh, Dario Saric's. Saric's. So we'll just have to wait and see with how things go with Mr. Saric and Hachimura and all that. And if he's ever a Timberwolf anyway. So that's kind of where things stand with that. As we awkwardly move to Mr. Awkward himself, Bull Bull. Manute Bull's son. He's a freak specimen. He is a great three-point shooter for a seven-foot-two big man. Seven-foot-two big man. Can you believe that? Extremely thin like his father. He's lackadaisical defensively, very soft in general. Um, he averaged over 20-some points a game in college, double-double and all that, but he kept getting hurt, this and that. He missed a lot of time. Uh, obviously very young. Uh, he has some legitimate offensive uh, abilities, but to me, he's just not durable enough to have confidence in him to have a long NBA career. I will not look at Bull Bull as a... Uh, 11th pick in the draft, unless, I don't know, un- unless he just absolutely blows them away, and there's no reason not to take him, but I think he's very slow. I think he's Hachim to beat, honestly. I don't think he's going to have much of uh, success in the NBA. I mean, you know, I mean, I remember how people gushed about Hachim to beat, and then you sit down and watch and analyze, and it's like, he's not that good. Um, I'm kind of like that on Bull Bull. I-, I think there's more skill. I think Bull Bull has more skill, more special skills for the NBA, but he is still very slow, very awkward, this and that. I, I, I don't know. It's like you want to say, oh, it's 11th pick, take a flyer on him, but it's the 11th pick. That's not that low. And there's another guy who could be very intriguing, but he does have some weaknesses, and he's out of Fonze. That would be Seku Dumbuya. Definitely uh, interesting player, interesting name, interesting everything. He is straight out of France. Uh, power forward, small forward, six foot nine, 230, there are moments when you're like, dang. And then there are moments where you're like, dang. Like that. Similar with Bull Bull <laughs> as well. Dang. And then, dang. Like that. Like, ugh. Some bad defense from Bull Bull at times. But then some awesome uh, offensive capabilities from that guy in the limited action he got to play. With this guy, though, his defense is really good. And he kind of looks like uh, Pascal, Pascal Sikam, Sikam, uh out of uh, Cameroon, of course, hero with the Toronto Raptors here in the postseason. What a wonderful player he ended up being. He was ultimately discovered by Luke Mbabute. Can you believe that? Ended up being really something. Uh, from Cameroon is this young man uh, in uh, Sikam. I wouldn't be surprised if Dumbuya's uh, heritage is Cameroonian as well. They do speak French in Cameroon, so there it is. That's why you get the French name. It's a French name with a Obviously, Pascal. Pascal Dupuis, like the wild player, you know, French-Canadian. So, yeah, uh, definitely wonderful player. There, there's some similarities here. Hadn't really heard of the guy coming into the last couple of years, and then he just popped up this year. Did he uh, did, did Saikam uh, in a big way for the Raptors? What a nice uh, start to his young NBA career, without a doubt. Where this guy is, well, well, he's got extremely quick feet defensively. He makes players work very, very, very hard to, for his points. He's got a nice first step when receiving a pass. He goes to the hoop with no fear of contact. He doesn't have much of an outside shot, though. Uh, you know, just kind of clanging him, and there's just nothing there, really, with his outside shot. So that's disappointing a little bit, because in this modern game, you want guys who can shoot from the outside. But it is what it is. Uh, hopefully he can develop that over time. He was only 4 of 9 last season. That's just not a whole lot to talk about there. Uh, four, no, 4 of 12, actually. seven. Yeah, just not a good run for him at the end of the day. Uh, certainly not a perfect player. Uh, he's very green in a lot of ways. Needs to get stronger, especially with his ball handling skills. I mean, he'll get the ball. He's not really creative, which is disappointing. Um, 
not good. I mean, you see that, you're like, wow, this guy's really something. He might be the next Greek freak, but Greek freak can create for himself. He can get right through people without somebody having to create for him first, which is okay. I mean, okay, if somebody creates for you, God bless him. But if you're going to be a star in this league, somebody that's going to be counted on to help lead a team, maybe be the second or third best player on the team, you've got to be able to do something yourself. And the, ah, when he was kind of, when he was put in those situations where he was trying to make a move on somebody, he got the ball knocked out of his hands. He got stuffed and knocked away and stopped in his, in his place. There was a lot of turnovers. So that does concern me about him. Um, in a boomer bust ratio, I think he leans towards boom, but there's certainly no guarantees. That lack of ball handling is what can make him a bust. That's the thing. Um, his, his overall skill and his capabilities, particularly if he's around the right people, he could develop into something, and maybe he will be able to create in time. But uh, sometimes some guys, their ball handling needs to be ready to go by the time they get to the NBA. If you're not able to ball handle at a high level before, uh, by the time you're drafted, I, I don't know. Um, the hope is he's extremely young and that, it, that can kind of develop with time. It's one of those things. You draft this guy, you're going to be waiting. You're going to be waiting a couple years. Hey, I mean, look at Sycom. Uh, he took a couple years. I mean, he was averaging about two, three, four points a game his first two seasons. And then look at him now, look at him now. As a certain Minnesota Vikings safety once said about uh, wearing purple instead of Green Bay Packers. Um, but uh, so this guy obviously wore green in France. Pretty cool looking uniforms there. Um <laughs> If you take him, you're going to be waiting for him to come around. He's going to be a big whole lot of nothing the first couple of years, I think. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I just mean it's going to take time. Uh, or, well, I mean, when you have a young coach like Ryan Saunders, there's a good chance he's going to get minutes. He's going to get significant minutes. But you just hope he's not a big mess out there because of the, the turnovers, like getting the ball knocked out of his hands and such, because there's just not a whole lot of ball handling there. Not able to create a whole lot, so that's what concerns me about him. But obviously there are sides of him that I really like. Again, receiving the pass and the quick first step. That's where the talent does come. So he can kind of make up for it a little bit with that. The quick first step does help. But again, if there's a defender on him, he, he has a hell of a time getting around him. That's the whole point, where obviously the really high-end players get around them. Can he develop that? Yes. And he will get stronger, this and that as well. He certainly does need to get stronger. I'm talking about him a bit more. I think there's a legitimate player there. And I do think there is a legitimate possibility. He is the Timberwolves pick. And I think it's a possibility. He could be one of four or so guys that could be taken by the Minnesota Timberwolves. And he's one of those guys, I'm telling you, you know, like the Greek freak, like this guy, like that guy, who, you know, gosh, this just drives you crazy, doesn't it? You take him. And he's a bust, and he's just okay at best, and maybe he, he emerges like five, six years later with a different game, which would drive you nuts, and he's not great, but he's good, kind of like Gerald Green or whatever. Or there's that that's that Greek freak guy. You pass on him, and two, three years down the road, he's you know one of the best players in the league. So, I don't know. Um, the Greek freak, they kind of knew almost right away, though, he was good. So, I, I wish so much Flip took him. Mm. I don't think this guy is the Greek freak. I, I don't. Yeah, the France freak, the Japanese freak in terms of uh, Hachimura. Hachimura, I don't think he's going to be a star. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be a good player. Uh, Bol Bol, I think he's much closer to being a bust than being a good player. That's just my opinion. Mock drafts have him dropping down now to like 17 uh, instead of like, you know, 10, 11, 9 and all that stuff. Just because you're tall doesn't mean you're good, obviously. And the guy does have some skills. Like a three-point shooting player from that distance is pretty impressive. But... I don't know. There's more to the game than just shooting threes. And if you're seven foot two, 
well, I think you want a little shot blocking. You know, damn it. And I'm not seeing it from Bobo. Uh, Seiko Dabuya, there is. There is shot blocking. So that's the one thing you're going to have. That's what. That's where he could kind of come off like a uh, Josh Akogi in a way. He could be kind of like another Josh Akogi, obviously, but in a bigger position, competing with uh, Dario Sharj for minutes. That's the one thing. You know, he, he will bring value to the Timberwolves. So I, it wouldn't kill me if they took him. And just the hope, and you, you pray and hope that there is something coming. Hope and pray that there is something more coming out of him than what you might see the first one or two or three years out of Mr. Dumbuya. Boo-booya! Yeah, you get the idea. Hopefully we are saying booyah to the other teams that pass on him, and we'll stick him at 11th. Hopefully we'll be saying booyah to those teams. That would be great. Yes, lots of conversation with that one because he intrigues me and he scares me and he intrigues me and he scares me. It's just, you come back to this point and go back to that point. It's the old seesaw effect. He's the seesaw. He's the French seesaw. The French seesaw. That's what he is to me at this moment. Nasir Little, small forward out of North Carolina. He has quick feet, very aggressive offensively, explosive finisher, great defender with a very long frame, seven foot one wingspan that gobbles up passing lanes around the perimeter. He's a very strong guy, has good size, ready to play in the NBA, a uh, plug-and-play. The comparison is to Gerald Wallace, and that ought to make the forecaster very happy, thinking about a guy like that. I love this guy. <laughs> I really like Nasir Little an awful lot. Uh, I think he's got a future right away. Again, very aggressive, very strong, and all that. The fear is that he could be taken a little earlier. Right now, mock drafts have him going ninth to the Washington Capitol slash, you know, Washington Capitals. I'm just messing around, but the Washington Wizards, one of the weirdest names in the NBA. Um, I like this guy an awful lot. Uh, this guy is an intriguing one to me. <sighs> Athleticism, strength, defense. I think this is a guy that I would really strongly, strongly consider at 11th if he if he's there. And in fact, I'd be downright very happy if he was there at 11th. It's just, you know, again, is he going to be? That's where the draft drives you absolutely nuts because is he going to even be there? I hope so. I, I hope he is because I think I take this guy at 11. He does a lot of things that I really like. Uh, he can he, he, and, and he can hit the three as well. He can. Uh, he's not explosive. His ball handling is one thing. I mean, he's not uh, he's not great from outside as I'm trying to say. But um, this potential is very high. His ball handling is decent. But this is a guy you wouldn't really count on for ball handling. Again, again, you know... Uh, does he diminish Josh Akogi's role at a six foot, uh, six foot six small forward position? Possibly. Do you have kind of a conundrum with Akogi Wiggins and Nazir Little? Yeah, kinda. Um, you kinda do. That's where things come in. But at least, luckily, you don't have to worry about Zach Levine. You don't have to worry about Jimmy Butler. Now, I know all of you are like, yeah, you don't want Zach Levine on the roster. You idiot. Blah blah blah. He torched us for thirty three last year. Well, I'd rather have a guy that plays defense and offense. I'd rather have a two-way player than... Uh, I would rather have a two-way player, especially if his uh, potential could surpass Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Zach Levine. That would be nice. Love Zach Levine's offense, and it's a very powerful, potent offensive capability, and he was a nice piece to this team when he was here. It sucked that he got hurt. It really did. It sucked that Tom Thibodeau threw him away, literally just threw him away at the end of the day for Robert Covington, who's good. That's the other position, too, Robert Covington. So it's like I'm almost forgetting about the guy because, well, he missed the whole second half of the season. He missed the entire calendar season, the calendar year of 2019. So you would have a conundrum. 
there'd have to be some kind of a trade along the way, I gotta think, and I'd hate to see a Kobe get traded. Wiggins is very t- tough to trade, and I don't want to hear this give up a first round pick to get rid of Wiggins. I don't want to hear that all that often either. So you would have offensive, uh, you, or I mean, you would have lineup issues at the end of the day. But I gotta think, uh, Mister Flip, uh, Mister Flip Ryan Saunders is uh, very uh, versatile with his lineups. That's the one good thing. He, he's more open minded. He's not just these guys playing; these guys run on the bench the whole season. So that's the one scary part about getting Nasir Little on the Minnesota Timberwolves, where you bring in uh, Dumbuya, well, again, you can always put Gorgijang at center. You can always have him maybe be a backup center, blah, 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 which is totally fine. It is what it is. Backup center, backup power forward, and Dumbuya can kind of develop behind the scenes, and if he earns the minutes, he earns them. And I suppose that's how it always is in the NBA with uh, Nasir Little coming in. Not sure he'd be too excited running on the bench for a season, but who knows? I mean, C.J. McCollum was taken, what, uh, when was he taken? Like 10th, 11th overall a couple years back, and he ran it on the bench for a year or two, and then he just took off. Uh, So we'll see what happens with that guy. Uh, Very intriguing pick, though, that I would highly consider taking. The rest of these guys, really, I kind of, I I like them a lot, including uh, Huchimara for the Timberwolves at 11. Nikhil Alexander Walker, shooting guard out of Vut. No, it's not Vut. It's uh, Virginia Tech. It's not Vermont. He's Canadian, so okay. Okay, a friend for uh, Mr. Wiggins, I guess. Nah, it doesn't matter. Canadian, big deal, right? <laughs> Canada's kind of like the U.S. where it's just it's a melting pot, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so at the end of the day, he's good with and without the ball, which I really like. Uh, very smooth catch and shoot from three able to create for himself and for others. Certainly an offensive-minded player. Uh, he's a bit skinny. He reminds me a bit of Kevin Martin, a bit with uh, Jordan Clarkson. So they're, they're good players. They're, they're spark plugs. They're factors. They, they help you. Uh, he's really polished offensively. Would be a shot in the arm right away uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I don't see much of defense from him, though, so that's why he reminds me of Kevin Martin a bit. Uh, I think he's stronger than Kevin Martin because Kevin Martin was a twig. But I'm just saying, this guy is pretty thin for the modern NBA. He's not spectacular, uh, not spectacular, but just just very good, very good, solid player. Um, Two hundred five, six five. So you know, he's kind of like traditional size for a shooting guard, really. At the end of the day, I don't know. Uh, the outside shot is what intrigues me about him. Uh, other parts of his game, eh, you know, we'll have to wait and see about that. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, as well as another player, he's been compared to, certainly can play offensively, defensively, there's just, you know, there's just not a whole lot uh, there. He's not a leader at all. Not physical. So, I mean, it's not like he's a bad leader, but I mean, there's just not there. He's, he's, a, he's, he's more of a beta than an alpha, we'll say. So that's kind of the thought process with him coming in. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, if you want a leader, I guess it's Mr. Hachimura out of, out of Japan coming to the, uh, coming to Gonzaga at the end of the day. Cam Reddish, a very electrifying player. Wow. Out of Duke. Now, odds are he's probably not going to be there. Again, another one who probably won't be there. He's looking to go ninth, seventh, something like that. Jared Culver, Kobe White, Darius Garland, all those guys. That's kind of like the big four there in the middle, like the middle four after the big four. It's like the next four. He has Zion Williamson, of course, is going to probably go to New Orleans, I'd have to say. Mr. Morant, who had a little knee scare. He'll probably still go to Memphis to help replace Mike Conley long-term. R.J. Barrett, who is freaking awesome. I'm sure the Lakers would take him in a heartbeat. He looks like a better version of uh, 
you know, do you remember two years ago, those of you that actually listened to this show and, you know, yeah, <laughs> that actually listen and remember stuff, I gushed and gushed and gushed about Jamal Murray. I just adored him and I wanted him on the Timberwolves so bad and freaking we passed on him and Denver winds up with him and I really, I also like Chris Dunn an awful lot. He was my second choice, so whatever. Then we make, yeah, and then we do what we do later. Uh, but R.J. Barrett is like a better version of uh, Jamal Murray to me. I think he's going to be incredible. Uh, I mean, he reminds me very much of Jamal Murray. Very similar style game. Is he a franchise-changing player? It's like franchise, you know, level. Like, he's like your best player of the last 20 years. Maybe, maybe not. But Jamal Murray, again, is, is, at that, is, is that next tier where he's still a potential all-star every year. He makes you very dangerous in the playoffs as did Jamal Murray for the Denver Nuggets. And I think R.J. Barrett could be maybe that slightly half of a next level from Jamal Murray, hopefully uh, for, the, for the New York Knicks' uh, sake, who are more than likely going to take him third overall. DeAndre Hunter to the Lakers fourth. We all know how this can change at any time. Watch the Lakers take Kobe White. Watch the Lakers take Garland. In fact, I'm sure Vince, Vince Germano would be thrilled to have Darius Garland on the Los Angeles Lakers coming out of Vanderbilt. I'm sure he would. I'm sure Vince Germano and Stu Benson... And Caleb Woods of the uh, Australian courtside faithful would be uh, thrilled to have Darius Garland on that game, actually. I wouldn't be surprised if they took him. But uh, DeAndre Hunter, obviously, as well. A high, high-end player, though. That could be a Los Angeles Lager. It could be between those two and maybe Kobe White. We'll see what happens. We all know how drafts can go. Unexpected moves here and there. There's the boring start, like... Everybody knows you're taking Zion Williamson. Just freaking turn in the envelope and keep going. This is boring. Yeah, Zion Williamson. We heard about him all year. Just next pick. Next. That's what I want to say. I hate that. I, I hate waiting for that crap. But what are you going to do? Give him his moment. He's God Almighty for 15 minutes, and we go from there. Cam Reddish. Let's, let's talk about the old radish over there. Cam Reddish. The guy who had to play second or third fiddle in Duke because, well, R.J. Barrett and, of course, this guy named Zion Williamson who could be the next Chuck. I think that's about where he is, Chuck Barkley, which could be a good thing. And unfortunately, Chuck Barkley got hurt a lot too, but more later in his career, more later on in his career. Pardon me for that horrible grammar. <clears throat> I'm, yeah. But Cam Reddish, this guy's electrifying, man. Electrifying talent. He would get everybody out of their seats. I mean, you want excitement in target center? Cam Reddish would be uh, a guy I would take in it like, like that. If he was there at 11, like, do you, do you hear that sound? Press the button. Cam Reddish. Just press, yep, just press the Cam Reddish button right there. Uh, I would be very excited. Offense, defense. The unfortunate part is there is the boom-bust thing as well. Not that Rodney Hood and Rudy Gay are necessarily full-on busts, but they're not as good as they were supposed to be. Do you remember how good Rodney Hood was supposed to be? Do you remember how good Rudy Gay was supposed to be coming into those drafts years ago? Do you remember? I mean, Rodney Hood more recently, of course. No, Rodney Hood was very clutch and very valuable for the Portland Trailblazers this past season, helping them get to the conference finals and all that before they got broomed out of there, which was very disappointing. Um, but Rodney Hood's role is supposed to be bigger than just a magic, miracle, secret weapon out of nowhere. You know, he was supposed to be better, wasn't he? Wasn't he supposed to be like your second best player or something? Maybe like what we wish Wiggins could be? You know, that type of thing. But the other comparisons with Cam Reddish, if he really does reach what some people think he could be, some people think it, some people don't. I think it's, it's possible. <clears throat> the first one is a little bit dangerous because I kind of think he's the best player in the world right now, and that's Kawhi Leonard of Toronto slash San Antonio a couple years ago. 
In fact, Kawhi Leonard is my favorite player in the NBA now, officially, even though I don't like what he did with the Spurs last year. That's why I was all quiet about it. He's taken over for LeBron James for me. That's how much I feel about Kawhi Leonard now. He's taken over. Kawhi Leonard is now my favorite basketball player. Yep. Uh, Paul George is the other possible comparison on the high end. Uh, again, he took a backseat to Zion. He took a backseat to R.J. Barrett a bit. Uh, a bit. Will he have a coming out party in the NBA? Uh, he, he even had Coach K fly out of his seat with a game-winning shot versus Florida State. He's unlikely to be available at 11, but I had to talk about him here because you never know. I mean, when you're talking eighth pick in the draft, that's only three picks away, so who knows? Maybe teams think that that's, he's just Rodney Hood, and it's just, ah, oh, he's Rodney Hood, whatever. You can't just take all, du- all the Duke players right away because a lot of times when you take a lot of guys out of the same school, they end up not being that good. Like, look at Florida. Look at Florida. I mean, meh. Look at North Carolina years ago. And look at Rodney Hood as well. Same type of thing. North Carolina years ago, uh, multiple times. Um, where, you know, okay, you had the, you know, Vince Carter, Anton Jamison, guys like that. And then it's just, I don't know. Well, Vince Carter ended up being pretty good. I thought he was more of a highlight reel than a winner or a superstar, but I think everybody's going to disagree with me on that one. Very unpopular opinion, but I will continue to hold on to that opinion because I'm a stubborn son of a biscuit. Or stubborn son of a bitch, whatever you want to call me. Boy, mm, but I would take this guy in a second if he's there. I mean, you, you got to take the damn chance. Because if this guy is as electrifying as he could as he could be, if it translates to the NBA, Cam Reddish is my guy, he's my pick. Uh, I'd take him actually over Cody, uh, Kobe White. I, I mean, I, I, I think I would. Depending on the need, this and that... It, I think I would take him over Kobe White. I think so, just because of the possibility that he really might, really might take over. We'll see. I could be way off. He might end up being Rodney Hood. But from what I saw, I was extremely impressed. Uh, I saw a guy that likes to take the big shots and, and, you know, and be right there, despite the fact he has major stars as, as teammates. He still took those big shots, and, and, he, and, he, and he hit them. So... That's where I think Cam Reddish could really be something in this league. So for me, if I had to endorse one guy, it's probably him right now at the end of the day. Uh, we'll continue with one more guy who I think, could, could, you know, he's a little bit of a reach at 11, but his name keeps coming up because of his outside shot being a major need for this team. Uh, he's got a nice outside shot, and I like him. Uh, he's, he's able to create his own shot. He clears space with great ball handling skills. I think he's got a bit more going on, actually, than... Uh, the guy that's right now projected to come to Minnesota, that is Nikhil Alexander-Walker, the guy I talked about just recently here, the Kevin Martin type of guy, Jordan Clarkson type of guy. I think Romeo Langford might have, you know, he's not as polished as Walker. His shot isn't as crisp and sexy as, as Walker. I mean, Walker is just, just soft and smooth, beautiful. But his... His, his thinner frame, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we've, we've kind of been there and done that so many times with these thinner guys. Langford's tough. Uh, he's strong, and he's got long arms as well. A guy who's tough and strong with long arms who can get his shot over people, I like Romeo Langford an awful lot. And if the Wolves took him at 11, I'd be like, hmm, okay, they must have saw something really intriguing about this guy that they're willing to pass on some of these other players. That could be floating around there, like Nikhil Alexander-Walker, like like uh, Clark, like uh, Dumbuya, who knows? Who knows who the Wolves would pass on Hachimura to, to, to take Romeo Langford? Uh, he wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be pissed off. I'd be like, they must see something here, and hopefully they're right, that type of thing. Uh, he is able to create his own shot, 
clear space with great ball handling skills. He's got a really nice floater. Uh, again, he's less smooth than Alexander Walker, but again, he's stronger and faster in traffic. He's, he's, he's quicker. He's more explosive, that type of thing. So he might be a better pro at the end of the day because of that. That's what I like about Romeo Langford. I think he could have a better professional career than uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who at this moment the Timberwolves uh, are taking, at least in NBADraft.net. That's, uh, he's showing up on multiple drafts right now as the guy the Wolves will take. Not my choice. I, I wouldn't take him. Um, I like him, but I wouldn't take him if some of these other players are available. Uh, Dumbuya's a little more interesting. Langford's interesting. Unfortunately, though, yeah, it's pretty much, yeah, I mean, I mean, this draft even has Hachimura gone. Um, I love Nasir Little, but I would take Reddish over Little. I would take Reddish over Hachimura, all of those guys. Obviously, I love Kobe White, but I think between Reddish and White, I think I go with Reddish. So at this moment, at this moment, if somehow, someway he slips, I think that's who I'm going to go with this year is Cameron Reddish because there's offensive and defensive capabilities. He could end up being what we hoped and wished Wiggins would be uh, coming out of uh, Kansas years ago. Because everybody thought Andrew Wiggins was an elite defender. Has he been an elite defender so far in the NBA? No. So, I mean, I don't know. Uh, And then you got the explosiveness and all that, potentially. I like Cameron Reddish. I like Cameron Reddish. And, I don't know. I mean, Rodney Hood isn't a bad player, but he certainly isn't what... uh, you're, you're hoping for. Uh, if, I mean, a lot of players have slipped in the drafts, like Paul George, like, uh, again, a guy that went 11th overall years ago in Clay Thompson. So that could be this year's version of that, uh, is Cam Reddish. If he somehow slips to 11th, I'd be thrilled. Um, again, I think Hachimura is a guy who's going to be a plug-and-play. I think he'll be very successful in the, in the NBA. Uh, he winds up being the pick. I'm not going to be mad. Um, Nikhil Alexander, I think he's a little too soft for me. I think he's too soft, so that's why I'm not in. in I'm not overjoyed if that if, if he ends up being the pick. Nice, smooth game though. I wouldn't be pissed or anything, but I wouldn't be jumping out of my out of my seat. Uh, Cam Reddish is the one that gets you jumping out of your seat, as far as I'm concerned. So at this moment, I officially endorse Cam Reddish with the 11th pick. If somehow he miraculously winds up there again, odds are he's probably not going to. Um, obviously, if Reddish is gone and Hachimura is there, I'd probably go that way. It would be between him and Dumbuya. And maybe somebody takes Dumbuya real early. And that's where you get uh, Reddish or even Little. Not so you're Little floating around. Um, those are probably my top two guys, Reddish and uh, Little, at the end of the day. I wish Little was a little bit taller. But he does have a really good frame, uh, really good uh, wingspan. 7-2 for a 6 guy. Uh, six, six guy is pretty impressive, and he's 225, so a bit more muscle than some of the other guys out there, including Cam Reddish, believe it or not. All right, so with that said, let's uh, look at free agency a bit here, eh? And what better place to start than the free agents for your Minnesota Timberwolves, of course? Well, Tyus Jones could be looking at a qualifying offer or an extension, this type of thing. So if he was to take a qualifying offer, we're looking at 3.573, you know, that type of thing. Uh, But more than likely, he's going to be looking for some type of an extension or a side and trade. The Phoenix Suns have constantly been uh, after him, I suppose, here and there with trade talks. Would love to keep Tyus Jones. We're going to have to really see where the organization is going with that as we head into free agency. So that's a big part of things. Of course, a massive trade took place on this day that I'm recording this this portion of the show. (laughs) Anthony Davis on his way to the Los Angeles Lakers. 
actually, no, it was the day before, actually. But yes, uh, major trade. Uh, Anthony Davis to the Los Angeles Lakers from the New Orleans Pelicans. I almost called them the Bobcats. I don't know where my mind is going right now. Uh, three first-round graphics, including a fourth overall this year. That's pretty damn expensive. Lonzo Ball, Mr. Hart also on his way, and Ingram on his way over. So uh, very, 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 very expensive trade for Vince Germano, Stu Benson, and Kalen Woods' is, uh, Los Angeles Lakers. But, hey, you know, talk is that they're also after Kemba Walker. So all of us here in Minnesota that would love to sign Kemba Walker, it looks like that's probably not going to happen. But, well, who knows? You never do know in this league. Uh, Jeff Teague, Hoob's hype is not showing that it's a player option, but it is. Generally, they're right about a lot of this stuff. It's just showing it in the black as if it's just a regular guaranteed contract, not team option, not qualif- not, not anything, not player option, but $19 million. It is a player option. Jeff Teague will opt in more than likely, though, because maybe that's why they did it. They don't think he's going to opt out. That would be kind of weird. Again, no uh, supermax for Mr. <clears throat> Carl Anthony Towns, so he's getting virtually the same contract Andrew Wiggins is getting. Slightly more because, you know, each year is, yeah, it just goes up a little teeny bit, that type of thing. That's just life in the NBA, you know, like as the years go by, things go up. Taj Gibson made $14 million last year and the last uh, year before that. More than likely not going to be retained because of his age, but meh, maybe they do bring him back. I don't know, but who knows who we're going to draft. I mean, if we wind up with Dumbuya or uh, possibly a uh, possibly the Japanese guy that we're talking about, and of course, <laughs> the Japanese guy, yeah, you know what I mean. But of course, uh, <laughs> I just like to play around here, I guess. Um, <clears throat> Brandon Clark, though, I don't really see him as a power forward. Huchamara, of course, I'm just like blanking. I don't know why, but I didn't even look. I just got the name back in my head here. Uh, Jared Bayless made 8.5 last year. He's not going to be retained. Bob Robert Covington, Rocco, as we like to call him, making on average of about $12 million a year. It goes up to about 13 in 21-22. So glad to have Robert Covington back in the fold after his bone bruise hopefully recovers before hell freezes over. Uh, Dario Saric, well, next summer we'll be looking at a uh, possible uh, extension for him, or maybe he gets traded. Again, who knows where we had. Derek Rose and Luol Deng, the Timber Bulls, are both unrestricted free agents. We'll see what happens there. Luol Deng, really good in the locker room, not that expensive. I wouldn't mind having him back. I, I really wouldn't. And he was actually kind of good, wasn't he? Uh, KDB Jop, again, that's another guy who I think is, you know, he's got a future in this league, not as a star, but as, you know, as a solid smart player that doesn't hurt you, and he is kind of good, you know, he's kind of an 8.5 rebounds and, you know, 12 to 18 minutes type of guy, I, I like Kitty Bates' job, and it is job, a lot of people call him Diop, but it's job, just like the Sagna job, uh, Anthony Tolliver, the decision part, duh, way back in 2010, yes, he was teasing LeBron James when he made his decision to come to the North, and, uh, yep, when LeBron left Cleveland way back in the day to go to Miami, can't believe it's been nine years already. I'm getting old. You're getting old. Anthony Tolliver and LeBron are getting old too. We're all we're all getting old. It's not a great feeling. It's a great feeling. Great, but uh, yes, Anthony Tolliver made his decision after LeBron left Cleveland again to come back to Minnesota of all places. Great locker room guy as well. Can hit that shot. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Of course, again, the Wolves' salary cap situation kind of stuck with two guys named Andrew Wiggins. And uh, Carl Anthony Townsend, of course. Again, Jeff Teague, $19 million isn't helping matters either at the end of the day. Gorgie, Gorgie Zheng, also inked for an extended period still 
at this stage. He's making $16 million a year this year, this coming year again, 2019, a little over 16 and a little over 17 in 2021. So again, you're still kind of waiting that out. <sighs> Good player, but too much money for Gorgi Zheng. I love Gorgi Zheng, though. Love him to death. Love what he brings. Very valuable player, but again, I mean, sure, he's a bit overpriced, but that's again more reason probably why Taj Gibson doesn't come back. Not because Taj Gibson doesn't deserve to be playing, uh, doesn't deserve to play, but because, well, you have Gorgi Zhang, and what are you going to do about it? That type of thing. You know, I mean, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> uh, the possibility of trading an Andrew Wiggins, you're going to have to attach something else with him. This and that. I know like teams like out there, like, like Miami with Pat Riley in charge, think they could turn anything into gold. I think Andrew Wiggins still obviously has the talent to be something in this league, but we'll just have to wait and see. The way to improve this team will take creativity and collaboration. With our new, uh, <laughs> with with our new uh, president and vice president of basketball operations, of course, and our head coach, our young, up and coming head coach, who can also uh, juggle lineups and such, and figure out new ways to make guys more and more useful out there, rather than just kind of finishing the season out, which he did the best he could last year. And uh, again, I mean, he instilled a, a, a different style, but he can only do so much on the fly out there. Uh, now he's got assistant coaches that'll make things more and more interesting. Of course, Vanderpool brought in during the last week here uh, from the Portland Trailblazers. Again, he was a head coaching candidate for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Knows uh, Andrew Wiggins very well. They worked together before. Uh, he's a defensive-minded coach. He's basically going to be the defensive coordinator. He's going to be the Mike Zimmer of the Timberwolves. Okay, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, basically, like, shoot, like imagine, yeah, okay, he'll be the Mike Zimmer of the Timberwolves. Yes, let's just leave it as is, like what Mike Zimmer was for the Cincinnati Bengals. Again, hopefully this team has more playoff success than the Cincinnati Bengals have had the last 31 years. Do the math there. Take a look at history with the Cincinnati Bengals since 1988 in the playoffs, and you'll see a big fat zero in the W column. <laughs> Let's stay away from that history if we can. Why did I even go into that? I don't know. I, I think I'm just kind of weird. But uh, at the end of the day, though, I mean, that's kind of the state of the Timberwolves free agency. In terms of, well, who are you going to keep? I hope the Timberwolves keep Tyus Jones. We're kind of stuck with Jeff Teague more than likely, unless we package him in a deal somewhere, someplace. He's not a bad player, but he's not worth $19 million. Um, I remember Kyle Lowry, we, we kind of balked at the amount of money he was going to make. And, well, not many people are complaining about Kyle Lowry today too much, except for a game bleeping six. But believe that alone, congratulations, Kyle Lowry, on hoisting the Larry O'Brien for the first time. That must have been cool. I always liked that son of a gun all the way back to his days with the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Yes, sir. Let's look at the actual... Uh, that would have been nice if I stayed where I was. Well, Kevin Durant's a free agent. $30.7 million last year, and he's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Well, he's. I wouldn't be surprised if he opted in and uh, waited out a year, but... We'll see. It depends on how the back-channel conversations are going with the uh, New York Knicks and such. That's kind of where that conversation goes. Uh, Paul Millsap made $30 million last year. That's a club option. I, I'm i sure they love him in Denver, but not for 30.5. I mean, that's a lot of fucking money. So, pardon my French there. I should probably edit that out, but holy crap, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> that's a lot of money. Um... <clears throat> So we'll see what happens with that uh, as we head forward. <laughs> I 
I still can't believe I said that, but yeah, Harrison Barnes, God, that's, I mean, that's a club option. No, that's a player option. Oh, poor, poor Sacramento. They have to have him opt in. I'm sure it's on Whiteside. Al Horford, 28 million. He's a good player, but he's not worth that much. Toronto, player option. He's going to take that and stay in Toronto, I got to think. And what an awesome addition he was, and I couldn't be happier for him. Uh, Clay Thompson, wow. Can you believe that? Clay Thompson's a UFA, but they're going to keep him, I got to think. Unfortunately, though, he's probably going to be out until Valentine's Day or maybe St. Patty's. But I'm guessing he suits up for the uh, Golden State Warriors next year, and he will be there. Got his Larry Bird rights. He can sign for more than $17 million, I'm sure. Crazy. Jeff Keek made more money than uh, Clay Thompson last year. Made uh, about 500000 more than Jimmy Butler. The future, God knows where he's going to go. Stay in Philadelphia, Jimmy. Even though I, even though him being there makes me hate them more. But at the same time, that's a good freaking team. I almost swore again. That's a good freaking team. So why wouldn't he stay there? Uh, Kawhi Leonard, that's another guy who's underpaid. <laughs> Boy, welcome to my world, Kawhi. Welcome to my world. I mean, take a look at what I make for what I do and Get back to me there, but uh, welcome to my world. Whew, player option, 18.8. No chances, no chance, and you know what, he accepts it. But something Kawhi said when he was hoisting up the trophy and the uh, Bill Russell Award tells me that Kawhi Leonard just might strongly consider staying in Toronto because there was a, he said there was a coach here who thinks like me, and this and that. That tells you something. That tells you that there's a possibility that he might not want to leave that situation because... Does that coach think that way in Los Angeles Clipperland? I mean, I no, I'm sure he likes. Uh, I'm sure he'd like to play with uh, Mister Glenn Doc Rivers, of course, the former Celtics coach. So that's the other thing. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. That's the other possibility. It's Toronto and the Clippers in daylight second. I got to think with that. Ah, uh, free agency, free agency, free agency. It's fun. It's entertaining. Chris Middleton. That's a player option. He's probably. I, I don't know. I, he might try to look for a raise, of course. Unrestricted free agent Timberwolves fans, get those get those get those shades off, will you? Get those Timberwolves and Rubio shades off. But yes, Ricky Rubio is an unrestricted free agent. He would have bird rights if he's able to opt to stay in. Uh, if he ends up uh, getting the option to stay in uh, Utah, in terms of they throw a lot of money his way. But well, you, you never know. A good relationship with uh, Ryan Saunders just might see Ricky Rubio back with Tyus Jones, possibly, maybe. You know what? It wouldn't kill me if Rubio came back and Tyus Jones uh, was also there. And they shared a lot of the minutes out there. And who knows? Uh, it wouldn't kill me. Though some of you might be like like rolling your eyes right now. Like what a homerish type of thing that would be. And how lame would that be? It's like, can we go in a different direction? I wouldn't completely disagree. Uh, Thaddeus Young, you're looking at a looking at a reunion with old Thaddeus? Eh, I don't know. Michael Kid Grillchrist? Mm-hmm. that's an interesting one, but I, I don't know. That's a player option as well, though. So I'll have to leave that alone. Tyler Johnson from Phoenix. He was kind of a nice uh, revelation there. To age 26, Tyreek Evans. Boy, he's already 30 years old. 30 years old, Tyreek Evans. He's an interesting one coming off the, you know, he could be coming off the bench, a spark plug type of guy. But, wow, he's 30 already. Again, I'm feeling older and older every day. J.J. Reddick, 35 years old, early bird rights with the Clippers, or excuse me, Philadelphia 76ers. Wouldn't be surprised if he stayed there. Kemba Walker, probably going to go to the Los Angeles Lakers. And now, well, there it is. Uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope is an unrestricted free agent this time. So, well, maybe. I don't think we're going to sign him for $19 million, which he might have wanted uh, the last year and a half or so. Rudy Gay is an unrestricted free agent. So we'll see how things go with that. 
Iman Shumpert, unrestricted free agent. So there's all kinds of possibilities. Rudy Gay, Iman Shumpert. I mean, but you're looking at a salary cap exception type of move here. Uh, Danny Green made $10 million last year. Would he be willing to come here for that? I wouldn't be surprised if he opted to stay in Toronto. Rajon Rondo, I don't think he's coming to Minnesota. I can't believe he's 33 also. Jared Bayless says it's Larry Bird, right? She could throw the moon at him, but that's not going to happen. I got. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Julius Randle opts out. We'll see what happens there. And he looks for a, a bigger payday. That's more than likely going to happen. Uh, Jamichael Green, though. Now, there's a name. Depending on who you take in the draft, if you go kind of shooting guard or point guard in the draft, Jamichael Green is a guy I've always liked. Uh, he made 8.1 last year. Would he be willing to come here for some type of an exception? Um that would be very interesting. He does have his bird rights with the Clippers. I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him some kind of raise, but uh, he'll be out there. Jeremy Lamb is another one, only 27. Charlotte Hornets. People have been bringing his name up quite a bit, coming to the Timberwolves. Nice player. Gosh, he feels like he's been in the league forever, and he's only 27. So that's going in the other direction. Don't expect the Wolves to sign Corey Joseph. You're better off signing Tyus Jones, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Patrick Beverly wants to sign with the Chicago Bulls. See if they... Uh, get things together and get that done. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's the name that's been floating around all over the place in Timberwolves trade rumors. He's a restricted free agent, so of course there would be a sign-and-trade type of situation. Um, depending on how much he makes, the Wolves might try to, obviously, package Wiggins with, with something, with, with a draft pick or something in order to get him, and of course we'd have to take other salaries in return in order to get D'Angelo Russell, that type of thing. But that name has been floating out there. Carl Anthony Towns would love it. Uh, close friends in the past. They've known each other for a while, and I would be just, uh, forgive the lame, silly phrase here, but I would be tickled pink if uh, D'Angelo Russell came to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, I really like him a lot. He improved greatly with his time with the Brooklyn Nets last year. What an addition D'Angelo Russell could be to the Minnesota Timberwolves, bringing that dynamic point guard to go along with Carl Anthony Towns, and you get guys at the age of 23, 24 years of age working together. That would be beautiful. Uh, I'd be absolutely thrilled. Of course, Josh Kogi being a part of things. I'm glad he's here and he's going to be here for a while. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins is a still under 30, believe it or not. He's a unrestricted free agent as well. I don't anticipate he'll come here. Dirk Nowitzki, of course, has retired at age of 41 years of age. I don't think he's going to come out of retirement at this point. Dragon Pender is only 21 and he's an unrestricted free agent. Wow. He's, he's got his Larry Bird rights. Wow, yeah, that's right. He was only 18 when he got drafted. Lance Stevenson's a name to think about as well. A lot of people like him. Uh, he's kind of up and down, though, a little crazy. Uh, Glenn Robinson. Glenn Robinson the third. It's a club option of $4 million. Who knows what's going to happen there? Will they opt in? Will the team opt into keeping Glenn Robinson the third? It's only $4 million. So, and again, that's pocket change in the NBA. Rodney Hood, gosh, he only made 3.4 last year. I like Rodney Hood. He's only 26. I, I like him. Uh, Lopez, his name has been brought up. I can't believe he only made $3.5 last year. What the hell? That's kind of weird. That's really strange. Splash Dan. I remember Troy Daniels. I called him Splash Dan because he had that nice quick release, but that kind of ran out of gas pretty quick. <laughs> Marquise Chris is a guy who could be a bit of a, uh, a stretch out there at times, a stretch four. I kind of liked him. $3 million with Rockets last year. He's an unrestricted free agent. He's only 22 years old. Crazy. Uh, Alfred Payton, the guy I used to tease about the banana. I wouldn't mind having. <laughs> I kind of like him a little bit. His hair was a little goofy, but he got rid of that banana hairdo. So that's gone. 
Jeff Green, we all know that uh, Hank McCoy loves him very much, or should I say Wayno, Wayne Hunt. Just loves him, when he, especially when he compares uh, Andrew Wiggins to him, of course, because we know he means it in a positive way. Yeah. No. But, uh, yes, free agencies like this. You just kind of look at all the names and you bring them up. Dwayne Wade's retired. He's on his way out. Jamal Crawford's turning 40. I don't know about that. I wouldn't mind bringing Luol Deng back. I'm against bringing Derek Rose back. And, of course, his comments in his book, basically how love Carl and Wiggins and all that. But, uh, you know, I mean, the NBA is different than it was in the past, basically how like they spoil players, this and that. Um, oh, how these spoiled players kind of come in and think they're entitled to this and that, basically, uh, when we had to work harder, this and that. That's kind of like Derrick Rose's point of view. It's funny, too, though, they're like, oh, Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns are millennials. Derrick Rose is a millennial, though. So, <laughs> maybe an older one. Yeah. <laughs> like when people compare to uh, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's a millennial. He's not a Gen X. I'm a Gen X. Gen Xs are, like, turning 40 here. Like Vince Carter's Gen X. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Vince Carter's Gen X. Amir Johnson at 32, believe it or not, he's a millennial. He's an older one, but he's a millennial. So not that we need to get into that conversation or anything, but just saying it's a silly thing. There's a slight generational difference, but, I mean, between a 30-year-old and a 23, 24-year-old, there's a slightly more generational difference between me and, say, Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> Completely different, in fact. Um but, uh, yes, he basically just sees uh, the younger players as they're mid more kind of spoiled and titled kind of coming into the league where they haven't earned uh, earned it like, like they did yet, that type of thing. They think they can just kind of come in and, and uh, earn this and that right out of the gate. Whereas uh, that's basically the look. I'm paraphrasing. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but that's kind of basically Derek Rose's approach. And so I don't think they're going to be bringing him back. You know, he kind of agreed with Jimmy Butler, basically this and that. Jimmy Butler's statements on that. He also talked about how Jimmy Butler made one basket in uh, that infamous practice where he was kind of cursing everybody out, you effing need me. It was mostly the whole point for Jimmy Butler was he was shutting everybody down. So that was kind of interesting. Um, Wayne Rain Ellington is another possible free agent acquisition for cheap, for very cheap, only 2.3 last year with a Detroit Pistons one-year contract. He can, he can hit a couple threes off the bench here and there, be a little spark plug. Kind of like what he brings. Here and there. So he's an intriguing addition, possibly, for the the Timberwolves. But I'm guessing he's not coming. Uh, Terry Rozier, I like him very much. But he's a restricted free agent. And, of course, the Celtics more than likely are going to want to keep him if uh, things head the way they do. Because there's a reason D'Angelo Russell's available. It's because Kyrie Irving most likely is going to wind up with the Brooklyn Nets at some point here. So... Again, Kyrie Irving leaving the Boston Celtics. I got to think Terry Rozier is a guy they're going to want to keep around if they're going to keep making those playoff runs because he did a hell of a job when Kyrie Irving was out for a very, very extended period of time. I'm not thinking about Corey Brewer coming back, but uh, oh, oh, it's a player option. I would hope, I, I don't think he's going to opt into this. $1.8 million for Nerlens Noel. I would love to have this guy on the Timberwolves. He's only 25 years old, he blocks shots, he's athletic. So far, he's underachieved for what he was supposed to be, like a third overall pick in the draft. Some people even had him number one overall to Philadelphia. You know, when he when he went to Philadelphia, feels like twenty years ago already, right? You know, it's been a few years though, during the process years, waiting for guys to heal from injuries. But um, we'll see what happens with that. I would not mind getting Nerlens Noel. That's a free agent I would be all over if humanly possible. And again, Gerson Rosas with that creativity. 
and collaboration, all that cute stuff. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he brought in somebody very interesting like that. Even at your little Okafers out there, imagine him playing alongside Carl Anthony Towns. Wouldn't that be something? Say, again, if the Wolves go draft, uh, go, go guard in the draft, guard-centric in the draft versus a uh, big man. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen there. It's going to be fascinating. Jalil Okafer has a club option at 1.5. Well, I'm guessing they're going to keep him at 1.5. I mean, that's a deal, boy. That's a deal. And it's crazy that Jalil Okafer, who was supposed to go number one overall to the Timberwolves or the Lakers just four years ago, is uh, on a club option at 1.5 mil. Oof, duh. I mean, 10, 15 years ago, 1.5 was considered like the, the LL. LLE, low-level exception. The low-level exception, not the mid-level exception, the MLE. $1.5 million in 2019 for a guy who was supposed to go one or two overall in the draft in 2015. Ouch. Ouch. Um, and it's not like poor uh, Greg Oden, who had a de- degenerative knee condition, or even Brandon Roy, who had a degenerative knee condition. The, uh, man, Lord have mercy. That's just crazy to think you could drop that far. It's actually quite sad. Uh, lots of interesting possibilities out there. Again, I don't think it's Patrick Beverly. Players that I think are going to be high on the Wolves list are Jeremy Lamb. Uh, Jermichael Green, maybe, will be out there. He's a possibility. I mean, I like him. I don't know how much they do. Kemba Walker, it's like, okay, see what he thinks, but he's going to wind up at the Lakers. He's just going to. That's basically almost in stone. Uh, Ricky Rubio, of course, is a possibility. Guys like that. So that's kind of where I stand at this point going into free agency. Uh, some Lots of fascinating thought process. Of course, I, I'd like to see Luol Deng come back. I'd like to see Derek Rose not come back. I loved I loved the memories he did bring us in that big, giant 50-point game. It was beautiful. It was emotional. And it's like, he's back. He's a legitimate player again. But again, that kind of... His shot selection sucks sometimes. And of course, he gets banged up way too quickly. He's just, and it's, you know, it's not just because he's Mr. Injury Prone. It's just the way it is. It's his style of play. It's not because he's injury prone. It's because of his style of play. It's, you know, I'm not super worried that his ACL is going to go out again because guess what? It hasn't. So that's a good thing. I'm happy for him that it hasn't gone out. Um, but at the same time, you know, I don't like his game as much as I used to. I mean, you know, I I don't like, you know, he's got a little bit too much J.J. Barea hero ball in him, and that's not really what I want. Nerlens Noel, that's the name I, yes, you know, I've already brought that up, I know, but again, it's a player option, and I'm guessing there's a, couple, a good possibility he'll opt out for a little more, and I would love to have Nerlens Noel on the Timberwolves. Of course, having a big, powerful guy in the middle might be a better thing. Maybe a Jalil Okafer, if you can get him in here and hope for the best, um, but, ah, uh, what, I don't know, I'm, it's unlikely, but I think that would be really cool, actually. Well, that's an interesting name, a guy who played for Miami or or didn't play for Miami. Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson. It looks just like those two guys' last names. That's pretty funny. So, Mr. Spur there, I guess. With that said, the Minnesota Timberwolves free agency is strapped a bit right now. But we have a very creative, collaborative group. So, we'll see what happens. Very excited about the possibility. Even if it's a 10% chance that... uh, Oh, man. I mean, I would love to have him. <laughs> D'Angelo Russell on the Timberwolves. I would love to have that guy. That would be the best thing that could happen to the Timberwolves in the offseason. i got to think at the moment that would be freaking beautiful, other than if we could have gotten uh, Zion Williamson. But, okay, that just didn't happen. Um, so, 
whatever. Uh, <laughs> Rubio's out there. I don't think so. I've already brought that up, though. Uh, Nerlens Noel, I'd be all over if we could somehow freaking do that. I would be so happy. Um, we'll just have to wait and see, I suppose. With that said, let's take a quick break and finally get to fan interaction. Apologize if this show is a little too long, but it, it just is. Always a lot to say on State of the Timberwolves, and plus it's been, like, how long? Like, a month and a half, two months. We are back here on Timberwolves Explosion, the final segment of this mega-sode. Thank you again so much for joining me on this show and for being patient. Of course, I'm sure all of you could uh, kind of stop and continue here and there. I don't expect you to listen to the whole show in one sitting unless you're just working all day outside or something like that, which occasionally that's how it is. But even still, maybe you'd switch to another podcast and come back. I don't blame you if you do something like that. At Wolves Explosion. At Wolves Explosion is the Twitter account. Ready to get to that. want to thank... Uh, Tanae Brown, Levi Brown, and Vince Germano for retweeting the most recent episode, 259 Rosas to Revitalize Timberwolves, way back on May 8th, so that's how long it's been. This show is ready to get posted on the 16th of June, very excited to get this thing up, as long as HipCast cooperates, and it looks like they will. Hoop Dad, that would be Pumpa, out of Australia as well. Uh, He is from Bendigo, Australia. Thank you again for being a part of things here. He says, what are we going to do about... About the about the wolves though, boys. Maybe bring Baz back. I joke or bring back Baz. Yep, Shabazz Muhammad dunking on the uh, Charlotte Hornets, circa 2014 or so, something like that. Nice play. Yeah, it had to be because the uniforms hadn't changed yet. Um, big time play there, and of course Zach Levine in uniform for the Wolves, as we all appreciated very much. That was nice. Uh, he kind of reminded me of Isaiah Ryder a little bit. Uh, what were me and Vince talking about again? This is quite a ways back in May. Okay, I was saying hopefully this is a golden opportunity, literally, and uh, Vince Germano was talking about uh, Vogel. Uh, He says, I've been a Vogel fan for years. That'd be Frank Vogel heading to the Los Angeles Lakers to be the head coach. I've been a Vogel fan for years. I like it. I don't like Kidd and Rambis on the bench slowly inserting knives into his back. Exactly. See, that would be my fear, especially Jason Kidd. That guy, I, I don't like Jason Kidd, man. I don't like him. Ever since he became a coach, I think he's just... The worst thing, he, he's, he's toxic. Um, that sucks. And, well, Jason Kidd, that was his team growing up. That's why he wears the number. Uh, Magic Johnson was his guy, so I do not like Jason Kidd. That's why he wears number five. It kind of symbolizes 3-2, three, 3 plus 2. So, or war, not wears, but war. I don't like Jason Kidd. And that's, and that's why he also wore 32 at times in his career as well. I don't like him as a coach at all. I think he sucks. And um, I feel bad for uh, Mr. Vince Germano there, but uh, no, Frank Vogel, of course. We'll see, though. Frank Vogel did have some success in Indiana. Much love and uh, hope for uh, that heading into Los Angeles. Hank, uh, excuse me, uh, Vince Germano responds to Hoop Dad, says, had such, I, I had such high hopes for Baz, and I remember talking about that on the Showtime and T-Wolves show uh, years ago. Hope, hopefully we'll revive that from the dead again. It's been dormant for the past three or four years now, unfortunately, but those of you that are subscribed to it, don't 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 give up yet. We'll come back one of these days, hopefully. I, I hope so. That'd be great. It's just obviously the timing's tough because you're on the other side of the world. It was literally an international podcast. Like 
Joey in Golden Valley, Minnesota. Vince Germano in in Melbourne, Australia. Pretty wild stuff. Um, again, Hoop Dad, that would be Pumpa, Mr. Reese Padretti saying, oh, me too, mate, because he really liked uh, Shabazz Muhammad. The, con the conversation continues. Uh, Reese Padretti slash Pumpa says, it's a long list of high hopes for me. Jimmer Fredette, Anthony Randolph. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Austin Day. Austin Day, to name a few. Yeah, I remember Austin Day, too, very well. Uh, Vince Germano says, with you on day. Continuing conversation is, yep. Oh, yeah, this was me. My concern is, kid being an assistant, I got a feeling he's going to be toxic. Oh, yeah, so I was thinking the same thing. Uh, Hoop Dad was saying, I like Frank Tumate. Let's hope this works, and I hope it does. And I apologize to... Uh, Pumpa for all the bashing and hatred towards the Warriors all the time. I, I just can't help it. They bring out the worst in me. Uh, it's even gotten to a point. See, back in the old days in the late 90s, you know, such a long time ago, right? Well, it's becoming that a long time ago now. There would be, you know, the days of going to Best Buy, right? You'd, you'd go into Best Buy and you'd see this game for twenty nine ninety nine. Like, all right, cool. And he would pick it up off the shelf, walk up to the counter they'd scan it, they'd say 50 through 35. And he would just do that little thing where your eyes get big and you kind of lunge, lunge your head forward like, what? And he called that famously the wrong price at Best Buy face. Well, see, that's the, that became famous where he just lunged that, that head forward like, what? And then he'd give them a hell of a time and drag them back there and say, oh no, I'm paying twenty nine ninety nine if you like it or not, basically. Because it actually shows the game there with the price on the shelf. Stop screwing stuff up. And that's what Best Buy did notoriously in the late 90s, at least in the Ridgedale area. Uh, Best Buy here, for those of you that live locally and have heard of Ridgedale before, yes. So, more bigger shout-outs. Uh, big, big, more bigger. More big shout-outs to the local uh, stores and local just everything here in the Twin Cities. Yes, as much as I bash this place sometimes because of its political opinions and stuff, I can't imagine why I would do that, right? <clears throat> but uh, I, I, there's still an affection to everything, especially Golden Valley, Minnesota, even though there's like nothing going on here ever. But sometimes that's a good thing, other than certain types of events that I won't name. I will not name them. <clears throat> Let's move forward from that. Uh, but no, uh, the reason why I even brought up the wrong price at Best Buy face, there's the Joey's watching the Golden State Warriors. Just, just We just call it that. You know what it is? It's me screaming and cursing at the top of my lungs, slamming my fist on something. If it's my steering wheel because I'm in a parking lot watching the end of the game because I don't want to be driving home because it's late at night and I'm watching the end of the game to see what the bleep is going to happen in the NBA Finals, like Game 5. Game 5, which you heard about in Segment 1.5. Yeah, I mean, you can't even imagine. There could have been an earthquake. I was just absolutely beside myself with what I was seeing. Toronto was ready to bury and finish off that team. And then, yeah, let's just say they didn't. Yeah, okay. Levi Brown out of uh, New Zealand says, Super quick conference finals predictions. Golden State Warriors 4, Portland 1. With or without Durant, Curry seems to have woken up and Lillard has cooled down. So don't see the series being that close. And it wasn't, and you nailed it in a lot of ways. Portland didn't even win a game. So, yeah, I, I had a bad feeling too. I was hoping Denver would be better. I apologize I disappeared for so long, Levi. It's just the schedule just took over, man. It just took over. But uh, I still deeply appreciate you posting these. Keep keep them coming into next year as well. And, of course, always love to hear from you no matter what it is. The free agent signings that we may have, the trades that we may have, of course, the draft pick coming up. I cannot wait for that. Cannot wait. Uh, you had Milwaukee in seven. Should be a great series, and it truly was. 
But uh, unfortunately, the uh, the last couple of games there for Milwaukee just weren't good, and Drake had his little day in the sun. And, well, Drake ends up, uh, well, he ended up uh, winning a championship with the Toronto Raptors, so good for Drake. Uh, I still don't like rap, and I'm not going to change there. At age turning at turning 40, I don't think my opinions are going to change too much on that. Because, uh, yeah, gener- the generational differences, too, are just not going to improve a whole lot, I don't think. <laughs> I was saying how Kawhi Leonard was unbelievable. That was way back in May 19th, and Levi Brown loved that one. I was saying, boo, so tired of Golden State. A lot of people like that. Uh, Hoop's dad says, crikey, is that kid okay? This was why jump Wednesday feet. What happened? What was that? Ah, somebody. Let's see what happened here. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. He just got plastered onto the courts. Yowza. That had to hurt. Pardon the uh, uh, French, uh, or French, for pardon the uh, Australian accent just kind of coming out there accidentally. John Krasinski, yep, Cam Reynolds, yep, Cam Reynolds had showed up, yeah, and he's inked for a few years, which is good, I like Cam Reynolds, I think he deserved it, so Cam Reynolds, even even Terrell, even Jared Terrell is there for the president, that's kind of cool, the uh, Ryan Saunders press conference, that's kind of cool, isn't it, that's, I don't, I like that, I respect that, that was Johnny Craw, John Krasinski, one of the great guys in town when it comes to the uh, broadcasting, keeping up with the Wolves and all that, he is, of course, with, uh, the Athletic, him and Michael Russo, those two guys are as good as it gets. They both work for The Athletic now. Um, Michael Russo for The Wild, John Krasinski for The Wolves Band. I mean, I could advertise that publication all day. I wouldn't mind having them as a sponsor for this podcast and all of my podcasts. That would be freaking cool. I would just plug the crap out of them all the time. That might not be a bad idea. <laughs> I think uh, I think that would be a pretty positive relationship. I was saying, good good job, Raptors. Choked the life out of this Warriors team. And, you know, because that was some good defense early on in that series. In game number one, they did a hell of a job. They really did. Uh, things kept going the way they did. And game five, blah, blah, blah. Ruben Rosa. Ruben Rosa followed me. I better follow him back. Oh, apparently I am. Thank you, Ruben. Thank you very much, actually. That looks like a Texas flag. So, very cool. Just like Rosas came from Texas. Cool. Uh, not sure he's even an NBA fan, though. You know how it's one of those. <sighs> Trying to see which men- mentions actually have to do with this show. Okay, here we go. Congratulations, Toronto. Hashtag Raptors. And that ended up being the win. Uh, Vince Germano was saying, love seeing journos try to execute a skill from a sport they write about, and as usual, they suck at it. Yep. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, because uh, that was some of the rumors out there as well. Um, oh, yes, and I was about that with the injuries and such. Kyle Lowry says, no words to explain these feelings and imagines. And imagines? <laughs> Hard work pays off, I promise. In all caps, we the North. I just call it we're the North, but we the North works, I guess. Uh, say what you want, but we are now the champions of the world. Yes, sir. Congratulations, Kyle Lowry. And I am following him, apparently. That's why I got that. Um, congratulations. You do. You deserve it very much, Kyle Lowry. And uh, thanks for the retweet today on uh, what Lowry said there. That was cool. Wasn't that cool, though? I mean, ultimately. Uh, and that's it when it comes to related to the show and all that. Uh, give a little follow to Caribou Coffee. Why not do that? Why not? Uh, <clears throat> with that, though, that's the end of the Twitter account. Please give that a follow if you could. At Wolves Explosion. I will put that in the show description like I always do. <clears throat> Gosh, again, May 8th. 
Oh, it's been a while. And this is when the Wolves are going to open up the coaching search. Stu Benson. Oh, there's a couple comments here. Stu Benson out of <clears throat> Sydney, Australia says, Little Flip didn't blow my mind. If I'm being honest, <clears throat> I know he's a sentimental favorite, but yeah, hard to say he's a top 30 coach. Vince Germano says, what are your thoughts on this? I'm not sure. Does he mean me there? He was saying, I'm kind of mum on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was asking me. I guess for some reason my post went at the top. That's weird because I was probably posting last. I said, uh, I'm kind of mum on it. I have no idea what to think of any of what's going on right now. Anything that sounds smart might end up being a disaster. We just don't know. And at the time, I was probably super tired and frustrated because I think we were still pounding away at spring clean after another late April um, with another uh, April blizzard, which is pretty weird. Uh, potential best players available at number 11. No conversation there, unfortunately. And at the time, some people thought that uh, Kobe White could still be available, where now it doesn't look like it. Much to my chagrin, and we all know who I like very much at this point. Not sure if he's going to be there either. People keep saying he's going to the Hawks at number 8. John Krasinski, yep, there it was. The Timberwolves and Ryan Saunders are in negotiations to make him the permanent head coach. League sources tell the Athletic. And Jamie Tintor, not too happy about that. Others were uh, pleased with the decision. I posted the picture. A lot of people like that. Oh, yeah, Tene, Vince, call me... Zoe Wood, Brandon Dombowski from South, Brandon Dombowski, you gotta love him, from South Dakota, James Jung, Virginia Reese, Savode, Wayne Hunt, and Nick Borbum, all on board with Ryan Saunders as head coach, not interim head coach. And I would say kind of old news already, but Carl Anthony Towns did not make the All-NBA first, second, or third team's thoughts. No response there for some reason. I think the Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Timberwolves Explosion. Oh my god, I'm just getting a memory on something. I gave uh yes, yes, I got it. Oh, I'm so glad that this memory came. I was hoping somehow, someway I'd remember. There will be a new award every year, and I started it last year just kind of accidentally. The Throw Some Shade Award. Because there's always somebody, a coach or a player, like Rick Adelman back in, what the hell year was it, 1314, how he was kind of like that coffee stain on that nice new shirt coming into the coming into work on a Monday morning. Nice new shirt, wham, coffee stain. Yay, you know? So that's like throwing shade on your season, so to speak. That was Rick Adelman. That was back 13-14. This last year, it was Tom Thibodeau with the way everything was going, his coaching style and just being just whatever he was. Well, can you guess who the Throw Some Shade Award winner is for this for, for this season? Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler. It all started into the summer, into the practice, blah, 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 blah. He threw a lot of shade on the Timberwolves season, and there's no doubt about that. He was throwing shade all the time. Uh, and it wasn't much of a secret how that he was through that, who he was throwing the shade at. And sometimes the shade, when you're throwing shade, you try to do it a little more subtly. Jimmy Butler said hell with being subtle and just went all out, and that's what he did. He threw shade on the twenty. 18-2019 Timberwolves season, <clears throat> without a doubt. So Throw the Shade Award definitely goes to uh, Jimmy Butler. And perfect timing is now we are heading towards your comments, which unfortunately there aren't that many. Come on, guys, what happened to all you? But those of you that did, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it oh so much. <clears throat> those of you that did. Here's the awards. I was saying, oh, it's time for your most valuable player, biggest disappointment, biggest surprise, and why. <clears throat> Not a whole lot of whys, unfortunately, but at least they did name them. Vinrock, Vince Germano, out of Melbourne, Australia, says Cat, easily MVP. Yep. Biggest disappointment is a tie between Wiggins and pea-sized heart Covington's injuries. 
Oh, wait, 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 Wiggins. Between Wiggins, P-Size, Hart, and Covington's injuries. Yes, yes. Okay, you weren't mad at Covington. You're just frustrated that he got hurt. Yeah, the injuries themselves were the disappointment. Good, good, good. Very good choices there. Yeah, those injuries were not only disappointing, they were heartbreaking because Covington was awesome. Uh, he could have had us in the playoffs for all we know. Uh, biggest surprise was Derek Rose turning back the clock after all the injuries and Okogie's rookie season. Cool. Kyle Fisher, thank you so much for being a part of this. I appreciate you, Kyle, very much. He says, Cat for MVP, Wiggins for dis biggest disappointment. And uh, the biggest surprise was uh, Covington's impact slash Okogie's potential. Thank you very much. Jamie Tintor also coming in from Flip's Army and all that. Says Cat for MVP, Wiggins for biggest disappointment. And Okogie was his biggest surprise. So, But uh, no description as to why. And that's okay. Maybe you're just in a hurry or whatever. You just wanted to get something out there. And thank you. Thank you for getting something out there. Uh, interesting article on slamonline.com. Andrew Wiggins, the last couple of years haven't been the best for me. Very interesting article there. Philip Brown says, geez, you think? And Vince Romano says, no shit, LOL. Yep. Uh, it was an interesting article, though. Uh, hopefully there's hopefully there's some more motivation from Wiggins to get things moving in the right direction. Because, come on, you know, it's been a really bad couple of years here. You, let's put an end to that. Uh, back on, when was this? Late May, very late May 30th. I was saying, I know this happened about a day and a half ago, but I'm posting it for conversation. Yep, so it happened around the 27th, 28th. The Wolves were to hire Sachin Gupta, Gupta as vice president of basketball operations, and that's cool, and he's very creative and all that, and he created the NBA trade machine for ESPN. Stu Benson, very impressed here. Again, Sydney, Australia's finest, says, uh, Great hire. I know people got swept up in analytics these days. Thanks, Maury. But this guy is also a hoophead. If he's able to have influence in GM-level discussions, and I think, oh, yes, I think absolutely, GM-level discussions, expect some trades. And, yeah, um, I think so, because Vice President of Basketball Operations, he's going to be involved in a lot of stuff. And what does Gerson Rosas like to use? What, what word does he use more than anything in the world? Collaboration. What word do I, am I starting to use at work because of him? Thanks again, Gerson Rosas. Collaboration. We need to collaborate on this, collaborate on that. Like getting the schedule, we need to work on that sometimes so we all are on the same page. Like we know we know where we want people to be working, this and that, so we're not all pissed off and frustrated when somebody's not where we want them to be. Uh, Fred Mitten locally says, wow. So does that mean no more trading a young core of talent with tons of potential? For a B-list superstar in his prime, once again, F-tips. Yep, again, yep, that B-list superstar would have been Jimmy Butler. Yes, I, I agree with Fred, uh, Fred Mitham, and I hope that uh, we are moving off of uh, trading away young players going in the wrong direction there with Jimmy Butler. I mean, I knew, I was a bit worried. I, I, had, I, I mean, you're going for, again, this B-list superstar when the Warriors were in their prime, and that did us no good, so... So I suppose this year they kind of weren't, but we weren't expecting Kevin Durant to have a partially torn Achilles tendon, possibly. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm throwing a little shade on the Warriors uh, medical team there a little bit because, well, put two and two together. Do you think that's what it was? I don't know. But why would it just pop like that in like 11 minutes? You know, I mean, I know things can happen, but I don't know because regular calf injuries usually don't take that long. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know, man. Darren Doogie Wolfson says, slight clarification on Dumboya, because I'm saying it right now. It's not Booya, it's Dumboya. Uh, Dumboya tweeted that yesterday was scheduled to be his. 
now this is into June, be his day with the Timberwolves. He did arrive into town spending time with the staff likely uh, with, with, uh, with the staff today, likely under, do, undergoing some medical testing. Then a workout is expected in the next 24 hours. Wolves clearly, clearly doing the work on him. And yeah, I, it sounds like he is one of the top three or four guys that will likely be taken at number 11 if he's available. And he is under a very, very, uh, he is being monitored very closely here for, for a reason. Um, he is very much, uh, very much in the mix, we'll say. Coming to the Timberwolves, a lot of people think Brandon Clark, though I wouldn't be surprised if he dipped quite a bit. And maybe he winds up being a really good player, though. Maybe he ends up being the next Paul George, for all we know. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's there's a lot of limits to his game, but his defense rocks. It's just his size. Going into the NBA is going to be a huge question. So I don't know. Maybe you go for it anyway. Uh, score north. Oftentimes you get a new player. Uh, I'm going to go, I forget who it was, at Mock Draft 8.0. This was quite recent with score north, Danny Cunningham, a guy that likes to interrupt people nonstop. The uh, biggest surprise of the draft was, uh, <laughs> the biggest surprise of the whole draft was that Zion Williamson went to the Pelicans. I don't think anybody saw that coming. But at this point, it's Tyler Hero that he has coming to Minnesota. So he's got that sharp shooting ability. Uh, let's read what Danny Cunningham had to say about him. I didn't talk about him in the last segment, and I apologize for that, but uh, he, he is in the mix, and just not as much at the time he had been, but I think he's moved, his stock is moving up, and some people believe the Atlanta Hawks may end up taking uh, Domboya, which would be a bummer, and of course Cam Reddish, so that could be two of my favorite guys there, Cam Reddish and Domboya, and of course Kobe White going to Chicago or Phoenix, with Darius Garland possibly going to the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Los Angeles Lakers, well, <clears throat> excuse me, New Orleans Pelicans. That pick will be... Well, who knows? DeAndre Hunter, that's where, yeah, that might be one of the replacements for, uh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> the guy that's uh, called uh, <laughs> uh, Anthony Davis. Uh, Rui Huchamara is apparently going to Detroit, according to uh, Danny Cunningham, 15th overall. So, Tyler Hero, lots of lots to write about him there. Hero out of Kentucky, very big, sharp shooting point guard here. He's six foot six too. That's the good part about his size. In the eighth, ver- in the eighth version of this mock draft, Hero makes his first appearance in the lottery, vaulting up to number eleven with Minnesota. Hero spent one year at Kentucky, and there are reasons to think that the best is yet to come for him. He possesses a skill that the Wolves severely lack in the backcourt, which is shooting from the perimeter. He shot. He only shot thirty-five percent from three-point range in K- at Kentucky but his 93% mark from the free-throw line suggests he's going to be better than 35% consistently. He can shoot off the dribble or in the catch-and-shoot, which, yeah, catch-and-shoot, I think, is extremely high percentage in today's league and, well, in any league. And just me out there on the basketball court 15 years ago, catch-and-shoot was pretty freaking high percentage. Uh, there are shades of Devin Booker at Kentucky in his game. He could be a steal at 11, despite not being someone that's been talked about a ton thus far. It's worth noting that he was invited to the NBA draft by the league, suggesting he may go higher than some anticipate. Yeah, see, you know how guys emerge late, late. You you don't think about them as much. Like where Jared Bayless was supposed to go like fourth overall in the 2008 draft, and then some guy named Russell Westbrook went fourth overall in the 2008 uh, draft. Need we say more? Jared Bayless, Russell Westbrook? And I made my thoughts known about Russell Westbrook, but he didn't become a jackass until like 2011. Before that, he was a pretty quiet, good player who, who played aggressively. Uh, his shot wasn't so good, but clearly the guy was a stud compared to uh, Jared Bayless. Jared Bayless was more of an energy guy off the bench, where Russell Westbrook was a defensive star at the time, 
and racked up those assists like you wouldn't believe. He was clearly the better player. And, of course, that explosive ability to slash to the basket in Russell Westbrook's case. Sometimes guys emerge like that. Again, you know, how Wes Johnson and every freaking mock draft known to man way before David Kahn took him was going fourth overall to the Timberwolves or fourth overall to whoever was going to be in the, uh, the draft, whoever was going to have the fourth pick. And then Paul George goes, what, 11th or so? And he's like ten, like twice the player, three times, four times the player. So sometimes that's how it goes, and hopefully the Wolves now, are the, uh, they're the ones that are the recipient of the better player this time around, where maybe somebody goes earlier, everybody thought how highly of him, and he's just, he's just okay or not good at all, and Tyler Hero's uh, a star. Hopefully that can happen, but uh, definitely an ability there. Definitely got the athletic ability, along with uh, potentially a really good shot, uh, shot maker from the outside in the catch-and-shoot and off the dribble. So maybe it could be very exciting long-term for Minnesota. I'd love to see what Tyler Hero could bring to the Timberwolves in the future. So that's the other name we're throwing in there. Again, I remember I mentioned Langford as a possible reach. Could be very interesting from Indiana. And again, Domoya, Nasir Little, and Cam Reddish. Reddish is the one I really, 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 really like, along with Kobe White. But odds are they're going 7-8, and 6-7-8, somewhere in there. And, of course, Darius Garland, who only got to play eight games and had the meniscus tear from Vanderbilt, and a lot of people love him. He could be a star for the Lakers. Well, not the Lakers anymore. He could be a star for the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers because odds are that uh, Mr. Ball, <laughs> Alonzo Ball, will be uh, the long-term starting point guard for the New Orleans Pelicans, or at least Vince Romano would like you to believe that at the very least. Yeah, he's going to start for the Pelicans. I would hope. I would hope he wouldn't... Uh, bring him in there and just sit him on the bench and have LeBar Ball just bite your head off is basically what would happen there. So I think, gosh, my God, it's almost three hours. I've never gone this long. I apologize. Wow, I've never gone this long. There was so much to say. Well, again, split it up, guys. That's all you got to do. That's it. Okay, no more. I apologize. Very long. Lots of stuff to talk about, of course, and it's been a while since the last show and all that. Again, I apologize for the extremely long show. Please do tell your friends about it if you could. Please write a positive rating on iTunes if you could. Stitcher, Double Twist, any of the above would be greatly appreciated. Thank you again so much for being a part of this show for so long. So, I mean, and those of you that might be hopping right on board, again, they're not usually this long. <laughs> so, again, I deeply apologize for the length. But it's State of the Timberwolves. You don't have to listen to the whole damn thing at once. So, whatever. By this point, now you'll be like, well, now he says that. Yeah, no, I mean, I would hope that you've turned it on, turned it off, whatever, depending on what you're doing during the course of the day. Hope all of you do well. Again, get to the phone lines, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for Timberwolves Explosion to your statement, show out, comment, question, and opine. Then there is the voice, uh, <laughs> the audio submission route you could use if you don't want to use the uh, the phone line. Just uh, simply use the uh, free recording application on any smart device on the planet. Treat it like a phone call. Keep it to about five minutes. Save it. Send it to Paladino Live at Yahoo.com. Paladino Live at Yahoo.com would be greatly appreciated if you could come and do that. I will then uh, convert it into an MP3 file thanks to Converto or, of course, Zumzar.com. They convert it into an MP3 file and it could come on the show. With that said, again, <laughs> big shout out, huge shout out to the Courtside Podcast with Wayne Hunt, Vince Germano, and Stu Benson. Recommend that over any basketball podcast in the world, even. Better than this one at the end of the day. Love it that much. With that said, I better shut up and let you get on with your life here. Thanks again. God bless. Go Timberwolves. Take the right guy. And we'll talk to you very, very, very soon.